start in three, two, one. Even though we don't really have to do that anymore <laughs> since I we're mean, both here. No, no, we do to like count us off. You true, know. true. We don't, we don't, we don't have to. We don't have to clap up. anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah, even though that never worked. American nerds, welcome y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. It, actually, that, that's you know a good what? That's fine. That's, that's good. all right. That's good. That's all right. All right. What's up, y'all? American nerds. Hey this... guys, we're back in the studio. Not really. I mean, we're back together though, physically. Like <laughs> this is the this is the first podcast we've had in like a year and a half where we've actually like sat down in front of each other. A year or two years. It's literally been over a year. since we have since we've like done. Uh, an episode together. Yeah, in, in front of each other. Technically uh, Raul's in not my house a, right now. Yeah. Huh? Raul's in my house right now. Ah, so yeah. We're recording and shit. Uh, uh, I still have to ask what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess this is this is like this is honestly like a better setup than what we had before to be honest oh, if, we, yeah. if we just start recording here in my house again I'm leaving my stuff here yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you have fine. to maintain my mic that's now. fine that's fine, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, um, you can have Brittany use it if, if, if you need Brit always uses my uh, well not always she hasn't used it in a while but like Brit likes getting on my computer and playing Sims talking on like Discord with her friends oh really <laughs> yeah oh I haven't been or, like, on the, I haven't been like on our dis- oh okay I haven't been on our Discord in a while so like well, not, not specifically like our Discord, like our friends' Discord, but she oh, gets on. Okay. Like we would just make like a like a, a th- like three person cause, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so we've been gone for a while. We, uh, yeah, sorry about that. We meant to say something, but at the same time, we were in the middle of like a Vegas and LA vacation. Yeah, and it so- kind of just sprung up on us. Like we didn't really plan it. Yeah, and like um, you know, the, the episode's are longer than expected, so we weren't even like we were ready to go post it, but like you know, it's just you know. <laughs> you don't know how bad it was. I put up the episode on Thursday. This is it's July. Uh, no, sorry, it's August seventh. It's twenty twenty one. Yeah, I and I forgot what day we actually recorded the episode we put out last yeah. week. I was, was like, "Is it July thirteenth? I'm gonna Tuesday assume right it was." Before I left to uh, to Las Vegas. Yeah, but it's like, I'm thinking it's like. We definitely did the episode after Black Widow came out because, you know, it's not like we saw it in advance, although we would like to for future stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, just putting it, out, uh, putting it out there. But <laughs> I think it's pretty easy to get, like, press screening tickets. If, if you know some people, yeah. I, I think, like, if you just say, like, oh, yeah, I have, like, we'll a... We'll talk off air. They, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they don't need to. Okay, sure, they, sure. They don't right. need that. No, no, no. <laughs> like, um... So basically, like, uh, since last episode where we recorded the episode with the agent, we came out, like, a few days ago. But for Literally, us, that was kind of been, ago. Yeah, it's kind of been almost a month since we've done an episode together. Yeah. Even though okay. you brought your equipment over to Vegas and I did, t- like, We I were kind of planning mine. to do, like a, like, like, a fucked up stream. But, <laughs> you know, we were just... We, we just didn't end up doing it. We had it. too um, much fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so basically, I, um, I, we recorded that episode the Tuesday that I left before, you know, going to the Vegas... <coughs> <laughs> I don't have COVID, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm we left dying. like we left like that. Um, we recorded that episode like that Tuesday before I left, and then um, Raúl was basically on the run like prior to that for like two weeks. I he was, was just, I was basically you were having the time of your life all across America, basically. basically yeah, no, because I, I was in. I, I've said this already. It was Chicago, Vegas, and then LA. But that was yeah. basically almost a month. Yeah, so like, like it was so weird coming back home, and it's like, fuck, how much time is you changed? had like this big trip planned prior to like? Oh yeah, it was a graduation trip. Yeah, yeah, it was like a little graduation trip and shit, and um, and I I I would happen to go to Vegas at a specific time, and we were just like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's just yeah, yeah whatever. Like so, you told me you're going to Vegas, I'm like, oh, 
Why not? Let, let's just go together. Let's just go, go to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. We'll just meet you in Vegas. Yeah. Literally. We're probably so. going to go back in a couple months, maybe. <laughs> it was really fun. So, yeah, we met up in Vegas. Um, and, like, you know, we were together for a few days. Then Raul left to Cali. And then I was there in Vegas uh, alone for a few days. And, well, not for alone. I was with family, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, then afterwards, I. I was checking up times. No, I was checking up times and prices because we were saying like, "Hey, wouldn't it be awesome?" Like, like yeah. half joking, but like really serious, R- really like, kind of wanting to just for it to actually happen. To just go to like Cali because I've never been. This is also, this is the first time I think we've. Well, you've been in the West Coast before, right? No, no. Okay, so never. this is the first, the first time we've time been for both of us. Yeah, this is the first time we've been in the West Coast, and like. It just seemed like the stars were aligned perfectly. It just seemed like the right time. So I literally Vegas is literally like what four or five hours away from California. Driving, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So and like the the plane trip was literally like an hour and a half, and it and the prices weren't even that bad. Even though towards the end, like a lot of shit got complicated, and I had to end up spending more. Well, that's just because LA is also very expensive. I fucking hate like, LAX. I fucking well, I'm talking about specifically leaving, yeah, just from leaving to the airport. Yeah, like leaving. I, I had to like do a bunch of shit. I had had to pay more for a trip because I had missed the flight because there was like literally when I was leaving LA this is off topic um uh we were we're, we're not going to try to record this is too long we were we don't want this to be too long but we'll see what happens uh, <laughs> we haven't even mentioned what this episode's about oh yeah we're, we're basically <laughs> reviewing this is kind of an update on like what's been happening and we're also reviewing the movies we've seen um since the last episode yeah. and things we wanted to talk about it's a summer blockbuster recap Jay. yeah yeah we saw some movies together. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Just before we get there, <laughs> before we get there, real quick. Um, when I was leaving to LA, when I was leaving from LA back to Miami, yeah. Um, when I got there, I was already running late. The TSA, like the the line to get to TSA, was literally wrapping around all of LAX, so they had to split the line. It was horrible. So I had to spend way more leaving, coming back to Miami. Oh shit, that was different on my end. I went to a different terminal, obviously, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, it was more complicated for me because I, I, I eventually switched to Raul's uh, flight to, like, go back to Miami. So, it was pretty cool. Also a coincidence, too. I don't think you knew that I was on the same No, yeah, yeah. It was, was a coincidence like, because yeah. it was like, oh, the flight leaves at 4. Sure, why not? And then, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> also, like, oh, it's me. <laughs> so, we met up in California. We, we, you know, we explored. We went to, like, a, you know, like, a, a, a few clubs. We went to, like, a... a, <laughs> uh, like a we, you, we should say that for next week's episode. Yeah, sure. Think? Yeah. Um, gay bar escapades. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Um, Honestly, they were a lot of fun. No, no, no. Like, like, like they, they are very fun. No, Cali in general was just super fun. Oh, yeah. But, like, specifically. <laughs> we also <laughs> met the star of one of the films we saw earlier. Well, not met, but we passed by him. And he was three feet in front of me. One of Somebody near us met him very physically, but we'll get to that in a little bit, I guess. Wait, where? Uh, we're talking about that one person that was just near us with her boyfriend. That and crazy ass lady. <laughs> oh fuck, that's right. Okay, yeah, we'll get so to we'll that. Save that we'll for, we'll squad, save that yeah. for Suicide Squad. But hey, Jay, what's up, man? <laughs> it's 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 a, it's another half in the bag. We got, we <laughs> got some were, movies. To I talk thought you about. were setting up uh, a Jane Salibab uh, reference. No, so like, oh, no. half in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot you. You don't watch as much Red Letter Media. No, I love Red Letter Media. Oh, okay. I, th- was... I thought you would get the reference already from no, the start. No, no, no. I, I did, but like... Silent I, Bob I was... never talks. That's that's the gimmick. <laughs> I know, but like I got confused. That's <laughs> okay. why. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all good. I love Half in the Bag. I love Red Lemmy Deer. They're awesome. Yeah. We're basically stealing Half in the Bag this week. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, just talking about some of the movies we saw together. Even though, to be honest... Like, that we saw together throughout the summer. Probably even though, to the be last honest, summer like... From- 
of blockbusters for a while. When we end up like doing YouTube, I I, I do want to separate like when we review like I want to do like a whole like you know separate like the podcast into different clips and do like oh yeah obviously that's a, that's when we get to the YouTube and honestly like you know now that I guess we're more able quote unquote to like talk in front of each other it's gonna be make recording like way easier and yeah. like way better on the ears. 100%. No, I mean it's way better for us to just like. I'm happy that we're back together <laughs> in a physical space now because I don't have to worry about Zoom. Recorded because yeah. we've seen each other, like, obviously. Like, yeah, we see each other, but, like, it's a different feeling, obviously. We don't have yeah, to worry recording. about Zoom. We don't have to worry about, like, Discord uh, dying what? on us. Uh, yeah, what? Ex- exactly. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, man. No, you Thank go. Yeah. No. Ah! <laughs> Here's a fun little thing. We always clap right before uh, we start our actual episodes just to sync the audio together. Yeah. Barely ever works. It never works because, <laughs> like, there, there, there's, like, an internet delay and, like, it's... It's complicated, yeah. but you know, hopefully, from here on out, uh, like recording, it's gonna be and editing is gonna be much easier. I blame the government. I, I blame a lot of things. Uh, the government. <laughs> uh, it's always the government's fault. Always, always, always. always. That's Those what the goddamn commies. <laughs> that, that's what the Suicide Squad taught us, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before that, yeah, might as well get into the Marvel the stuff. Other, yeah, the other comic book stuff. Yeah. Let's just get this out of the way. Yeah, Black Widow was a thing. Uh, what okay. did you think of Black Widow after finally finishing the movie? I saw it like, okay, so like before leaving to Vegas, I saw like the first forty minutes of it, and I thought it was I I, I didn't really fucking like it. it. It sounded like you were going to leave. No, it, like as it is in those forty minutes. Like it sounded I like just, you really hated those forty minutes. I wasn't interested. Like it was just it, it wasn't as good as I what as I. Well, hopefully, thought I, I I wanted it to be like it wasn't like I really had like big expectations or anything, but mm-hmm. like, um, I guess, you know, finishing it now completely a few days ago, you know, it's a little better than I thought, but still pretty bad, you know. Yeah. What about you? It's it's okay. Yeah. To me, still, it's like a solid three stars. You know, like if I had to use some sort of food metaphor, it's like yeah, it's another cheeseburger, but I don't want a cheeseburger anymore. Yeah, and it's also just—is it bad for me to say that like the lawsuit shit is more interesting than the actual movie itself? Not at all. That's been going on. Like I find like it's—I I find that, that to be a much more interesting story than I anything mean, that actually happened. In I think movie. everything that happens behind the scenes of like WWE is more interesting than the actual like matches. You know? That's next episode. Okay, okay. we'll get that ne- to ne- in next episode because the fu- <laughs> yeah. dude, the fucking wrestling world's on fire. <laughs> okay, like. Ah! <laughs> no, literally, like WWE's on fire. Technically, Blizzard is on fire. Oh yeah, we've missed out on so much. There's crazy so shit. much news that's ha- actually happened that we, we haven't gotten. There's, There's like so three many trees that are on fire at the Disney ki- building right now. And they're and probably putting like, it out. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, we're just looking around like, oh, oh yeah, this is fine. <laughs> oh, a gay bar. <laughs> During all of it. Um, but okay, I, I honestly, um, about Black Widow, I thought it was fine. I liked. I I liked when the movie wasn't a Marvel movie. When it just had those small intimate moments of like family drama. Sure. I also think it's one of the most inco- like inconsistent balances that a Marvel movie has had in terms of like n- like um seriousness and comedy. Mhm. Like this isn't really a spoiler, but like they're actively there's a there's a scene where Florence Pugh like just casually jokes about having her ovaries maro- uh, removed 
as if it's like I think a we're going into line. a little spoiler territory. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing that we kind of knew about with Black Widow already. That well, she, yeah, she sure. can't have kids. Like that—that that was a big thing guess, about the yeah. Black Widow program. But like they joke, they, they joke about like some serious shit like that, and at the same time, it's this movie that is also trying to address some re- real, like dark, f- fucked up, um, like things that happen in our reality with trafficking and yeah like you know man- and obviously like manipulating women and shit Le- and you also have not harvey weinstein <laughs> as the main <laughs> villain like there are some things in this it's movie like a that Ru- russian like harvey weinstein like not jeffrey even, epstein type of thing not even russian his fucking accent is atrocious That's it what, ray, sound, ray uh like ray winstone or something he's like just that. great <laughs> he's a good actor but he's his accent actor. was awful yeah it was not a good accent but like as as a whole, I thought the movie was fine. Like Scar Johansson's fine. She's Black Widow. Like mm-hmm. it was another good performance for her. Like by her, Florence Pugh it's, was uh, good. Okay, and, like no, David Harbour right. was fine. But I just couldn't really. It was it was kind of like a nothing burger to me because like there's no there was nothing really important in this movie, and there was nothing really like that interesting in this movie that really make me like think about it again. Uh, after seeing it because we already knew her fate it's just the thing is like again like it, it, it like suffers from like kind of the mcu problem of it being filler like this is a movie that should really should have came out right after civil war like yes. it, it had no reason like existing it didn't really like it didn't really like change anything we already know about the mcu like especially compared to like something we, we're, we're gonna talk about loki um like I, I guess there's, like, some aspects to it that I guess will lead to the future of the MCU. It's just the thing is, like, this feels like a very wasted opportunity to really explore something. Because fucking Black Widow is a really interesting character in the comic books. Yeah. She's a she, she's a Russian double agent with the, with an accent as thick as fucking gravel. <laughs> like, like she, she she's a fucking badass. And I think, like, they really could have done something cool. But, the, uh, again, with something like marvel and like this kind of goes into just like a bigger conversation with just like i guess like the movie industry and specifically the comic book sector of it like they kind of with every mcu movie you kind of have to film a a a sort of like mold and quota to like kind of like have it like fit into the universe and And also kind of have it be the like the same thing as all these other movies yeah like it kind of has to follow a formula in order for it to be coherent, even though I do think the future of the MCU is bright, considering what we might get and the different ways we get, like, different properties. I but feel like, like that's more so on the TV side at the moment. Sure, sure. But I'm excited for Eternals, though, you know? And, like, eh. and, and, like I, I think in general, it's just, like, what carries this movie really is, is the characters and, like, the actors and the banter, because... You know, I I guess the one real consistent thing you could say about Marvel is their casting is always a one. And like yeah. I did, li- as much as I did like you know uh, David Harbour and um and uh, Rachel Weisz and like Rachel Weisz really did nothing. She did like this. I I liked them, but like uh, again like w- the material they were given it it wasn't really anything to. To really flex what their potential as actors. There's only really one scene in the entire movie. And it was the dinner scene between all of them. Where they're just kind of, you know, surrounding a di- uh, the dinner table as a family, you know. And the banter between them was really, like, it was cute. Like, I, 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 that was the heart and spirit of the movie that was really just kind of, you know, overtaken by, like, these very sappy themes that are executed in a very... Not sappy themes, but sappy executed <laughs> themes. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. I don't have COVID. No, it's fine. 
And it really just just as negative. I'm good. You're just addicted to nicotine. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like in reality, like it, it just like it, it just gets to a point where like, what do you? There's nothing much to really gain from this movie. Black Widow is the same problem that I guess Marvel has faced before, and it's consistent. Not with every single thing they release, but this is kind of like the Thor Dark World effect, or like kind of you sometimes know. The, like that problem sticks out more in some other cases than in you know compared to others like or it, like the iron man 2 effect like this this is like the same tier as those movies where it's like not really significant like with kind of like the grand scale of things and like it doesn't really like show us new sides to the world that we already didn't know yeah and you think like aside some cool characters you know yeah and you know there's a good alternative to a to you know to like um to that and that's yeah. something like a guardians 2 where it's not really a significant movie in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. but the character work is astounding yeah they they focus they you know double down on that more than they did in in um the first one and you just get more of a character hangout movie than you know just something that is like another piece of the puzzle but guardians 2 and is if- the perfect example of like the marvel problem where like Sure, that works, but Marvel kind of tries to attempt it with Black Widow, but uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't really it have doesn't the right. Work. It doesn't have the right Helmer, you know. It doesn't have the right, you know, people behind it to really make it its own thing. Like James oh, Gunn, yeah. still a Marvel film, but he made that thing his own. Both Guardians, you know, because I mean, I I don't know any of Kate Shortland's movies, but I felt like even when she was announced as a director, it was kind of like another. Captain Marvel situation. Another like indie another... director, you know, being like, you yeah. know, offered a lot of money from a big budget studio like, in order to do more work later, you know. Yeah, like, kind of like a not a Peyton Reed thing because I like those movies, but um, what's <laughs> what, who's the guy who who's the person who did um, you know, even like to an extent, John Watts, you know, like even well, like someone like okay. like kind of like every man, uh, every people directors that can just kind of like do whatever they're told. I, I guess yeah, but like John Watts is like one of those like rare directors in like the Hollywood system where like I you say know. this more with something like Far From Home than with Homecoming. Sure, Homecoming like, feels more unique. Obviously, it's just someone someone opinion. like John Watts. Like with him, like he's a, a a really specific tier director where like he I I guess he doesn't really have a specific voice or like a specific style that really makes it like his project, but like. It's it caters to like the wants of Marvel in, in in a way where it's not like problematic, you know. Like mm. there's no there's nothing really in like those like well there is a lot that like you know us as Spider Man fans like we could pick apart, but in reality this is a very milk toast Spider Man. You know, there's not really anything that really sticks it out to make it really bad. Like you know we have our issues with Tom Holland Spider Man, but I feel like you know kids growing up they're not gonna have that. You know, yeah. And, like and you know I I feel like we're Going a little off the rails here, though, like in terms of like connecting with Black Widow, but with not really because like it, it just comes like it's just a, a grander MCU problem where like you know you know these are studio movies and they have to cater to a specific vision you know whatever for the, they, they whatever have to stay consistent in some in in that yeah and know, like Marvel there, way there's some filmmakers that do it better than others you mm-hmm. know John Watts he he caters to them without having their voice same with like John Favreau. You know, I don't really think John Favreau has that much of a like specific like voice or visual like you know, a uh, language that really like you know you watch you see a shot from a from a John Favreau movie you don't think that's John Favreau you see a shot from oh, a James okay, Gunn yeah. movie that's James Gunn I see what you're saying and yeah, and, and yeah. like 
it, and it holds both ways with like a DC property and a Marvel property, you know. And yeah, like and, and again, just to tie it back to Black Widow, I don't think you really get that. Yeah, <laughs> like you get, like you, you get. I'll say this: the dinner scene. I I I I I I've, um, good stuff. I, I I I agree with you on that, but for me, it's like. I felt it more in the scene after where it's Florence Pugh and David Harbour just talking to each other because, you know, some of the character work is interesting. They just don't really double down on it as much. Yeah. Like, it, it having, what, what's her name? Yelena. Yeah. You know, this little girl who basically has to, you know, it, it just goes through the same fucked up things that Natasha had to go through as a child for, uh, for the Black Widow program. She spent most of her childhood, or a big significant portion of her childhood, with this family that with, with these her. people that raised her, and she really considered to be family. She's she, and like, it was all just like you know a long term and uh, you know uh, job. A lot of her arc is like her kind of accepting that like you know the family that she thought she had you know it not really like it's not really as real as she originally thought it was. Mm-hmm. But you know towards the end you know like. I guess, like, I guess, like, the themes about family, like, as, like, sincere as I do, I do feel it is because, you know, it's the actors that really carry it. I feel like I, it's sincere it's at parts. Well. That's yeah. the thing. It's, it's in- executed well. That's the thing. Yeah. You know? Because you're also in having to do this juggling act where it's like, oh, we got to do a Bond movie at the same time. Yeah. With this awful fucking. This felt like a Bond movie, right? Well, yeah, it was. This it was also felt like, movie. honestly, Winter Soldier. Just like, oh, here, like. No, it doesn't even feel like Winter Soldier to me. It feels no, like. No, it does. The team of characters going to another sky, like another sky, uh, a, a laboratory to take it down. Like, <sighs> okay, so we're. Okay, let's just go right into the. The Winter Soldier and Taskmaster are basically the same villain. Just that another, like, another, like, you know, no personality villain that just caters to like a bigger force which is funny because like even though we kind of want personality from it, it more personality from this movie i kind of dig the i fucking hate taskmaster. taskmaster really i think okay. she she i like gen- i i like the idea of how like i i like the how they revised taskmaster of you know instead of making it a guy who is just super keen yeah I, okay to, like sure. all sorts of uh and like can memorize all Are sorts we getting of movements spoilers? and things yeah i think so okay i mean yeah. you mentioned the fucking red room in the sky Oh, that's sure. What... I guess. But that's in the trailer. No, no, that is in the trailer. That's in the trailer? Are you yes? sure? No, not oh. the Red Room. You oh. mentioned the Red Room right now. I'm just oh, okay. talking about the big lab, like, and everything is falling. Oh, that was okay. in the trailer. Yeah, no, you said, like, floating thing in the sky, and I'm like, yeah, I, that's what reminded me of, like, why I fucking hated part of this movie so much. You try to have this movie that, like, is, is, is grounded in, in as much realism as it can. And you then you're in, talking in about the MCU red room. realism. Yes, but that's the, that's my also part of the problem. Like you're talking about the red room, this big thing that we've heard about for years, where they've harbored all these. Uh, it's so like a real world like type of conspiracy. Like you, you, I would imagine <laughs> the place. But like, yeah, whatever. like but I would imagine the place where they harbor all these women operatives to be, you know, uh, killing machines. So it could be assassins. Like you would imagine it to be like this sort of red sparrow looking fucked up building that's or like an underground gulag in yeah not the Doctor Evil set (laughs) you know like that that's what bothered the shit out of me like I get it it's a comic book movie but that's just dumb and like is it me also how can nobody see that. Is there not a helicarrier that just randomly crosses Moscow? I one think day? they're like above the clouds or something. I don't know. They're in the clouds or something, but at I the same know. time, it's the stupid. fucking clouds can move away. It is stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, we all agree it's stupid. It was, um, it was dumb. Also, I guess you know. Uh, oh wait, I want to, I, I want to mention one thing about Taskmaster. Uh, okay. I wanted to finish my point okay. there. Like instead of having a guy who is, you know, super, just some regular schmo who like just knows how to copy people's moves, sure. you have that same like power set. 
but given to a person that Natasha thought she murdered and is also kind of in line with that whole like women manipulation thing because like she's doing none of this under her actual yeah. control like her father Harvey Weinstein is basically controlling her yeah you know like I, I kind of dug that a lot more than just having it be oh this is just a guy you know the like having it be cool like in what they would do in, uh, in the comics the remix is cool in concept but again like the execution of it and like you know there wasn't any like I, I didn't feel any connection to like Natasha's um, Natasha's relationship with the character like it, it never felt like oh my god like this is Natasha's you know time to really like be better as a person even though like again she's the same person from the beginning to the end yeah uh, that, and that, like god that ending is so stupid it's me. just like there's <laughs> nothing there's really isn't you can't just tell me you can't tell me her issues and just expect me to just immediately like you know like connect with it and like really invest my like you know emotional uh, uh willpower to the movie like you, you gotta like you, you gotta really like it, like show me like the, the the real struggle like you can't just tell me i'm so depressed uh, i'm so depressed because i i killed this girl that i didn't want to kill and then just show three million flashbacks at the same event like i i just like it, another thing like with with natasha you know black widow it it didn't feel like she was the main character oh no this is all just set up for yelena yeah and like this, this is literally all just set up for her being the next black widow and it's just it, Don't get me wrong. It, 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 I think the I think the after credit scene is cool. Well, that's yeah, it's yeah. fine. But like, that that's also part of the problem too. You have this movie that's supposed to celebrate Natasha. It's supposed to celebrate the first female hero in the MCU, right? Yeah. The one that kind of like started it off, and everybody you know kind of got pissed off that she died in. And you're kind of skipping. You're kind of skipping that like recognition to just immediately go for the next generation. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you're skipping all like, you know, her legacy essentially, and just passing it off to Florence Pugh, which I don't mind. But you, I, it felt like more was teetered to that side than, you know, actually making a movie celebrating Natasha Romanoff, you know? Yeah. Not even celebrating or just, like, making it about her. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it like, she really doesn't change that much throughout the movie. Like, what, she learns to trust more we really, or something by like, the end of it? She kind of already trusted her friends She realizes before. that, like, you know, her family isn't just, you know, the Avengers, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. And then she changes her hair. Which is like, okay. She goes back blonde. Can you pass me the napkin? Oh, yeah. It's right there. It's a water bottle. Sorry. Here you go. <laughs> it's crazy. We can have, like, <laughs> off-mic interactions now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're not just telling me to grab something on the other side of the screen, <laughs> it's vice not versa. Just, it's not just, uh, uh, can you, like, change the region on Zoom? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not like Videodrome where your fucking hand or my hand just sticks out of your monitor. <laughs> but, but Black Widow. Yeah, it's it was fine for me. Like, I, I, I enjoyed... Some of the action beats, but that's the other thing to see another page from the Red Letter Media guys. You talk about like investing in her character, investing in her struggle, and yet, and I and I agree about this a hundred percent in their video, which you guys should check out if you guys haven't. They're very funny. Yeah, Red Letter is great. They're pretty good, and uh, no, pretty great. Yeah, I just I just say that usually, uh, but um, you undermine everything. <laughs> Damn. It's true. <laughs> I didn't mean that. It's true. Why are you gaslighting me? And I guess that's not gaslighting. That's the truth. <laughs> it's not my truth. This is manipulation. Um, this is difference. <laughs> okay. Um. What was I saying? Oh yeah. I feel like you would probably connect. I feel like, like audience would probably connect to her more. You know, with her struggle in this movie in particular, if they actually showed, you know, real damage to people and and settings in their action sequences. 
She fucking broke her nose and cracked it back in in less than five minutes with no trouble whatsoever. The Punisher no did it better with like, the pencil. Yeah, but like no blood drenches from her. Like there's no blood coming out from her nose at all yeah. during this entire thing. She and it's doesn't not like, get like cut up or bruised as she's falling from the sky. And it's not <laughs> like we knew that her nose was broken. She just did that to look cool. <laughs> no, she did it to like cut off the pheromone that was so stu- that was so silly too that's felt oh, like yeah, such that's a right, doctor yeah. evil thing yeah like you can't f- attack me because you can smell me want to move on yeah i'm fine with that yeah, yeah after credit scene oh yeah it's elaine cool elaine. thunderbolts or dark avengers or it's that it's set up for the hawkeye show it's like hey you want to know who killed her <laughs> this guy yeah, how did she also- know that <laughs> well, first of all how uh, did she even know that well she didn't well how does elaine know that well She's like a Nick Fury type, so yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think it's that. I you know like I, I'm I'm sure like there's ways to figure that out. Like, but <laughs> also imagine this being your first Marvel movie and being like, oh, I can't wait to see more of Natasha, and then seeing a fucking gravesite at the end of the movie. I mean, it's twenty years. <laughs> We're like what? Like yeah, twenty years into this, like well, no, not 20 no, years. twenty no, twenty something years. movies. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, um, twenty more movies than ten years. Yeah. Like you know, at that point, fuck off, like <laughs> get fucked. You're like you, these movies aren't for you anymore. Like no, but just like that sucks too. You know, it's like yeah, oh, it, what if, what what about that one person who's like oh, I really like Natasha. Oh wait, she's never coming back again. And then you start reading up on like I guess insider stuff like we do, and then you're like oh, she's really never coming back again. Because Disney didn't really pay her the money she had. It's just we're literally the only ones that care about that. Like, no, especially I, in I, our, I, our circle. Well, because some people don't know how to read in our inner circle. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not calling anybody out specifically. I'm just saying, like... You're projecting. I'm projecting. Yeah. <laughs> because you see it plain as day. Like, obviously, we're not lawyers. But you don't have to be a fucking yeah. lawyer to realize that if her lawyers are... Uh, if, Scarlett, if Scarlett Johansson's lawyers are calling Disney saying, hey... I know you guys are doing the Disney Plus theatrical thing. We need to switch up how, you know, she gets paid. Yeah. And they don't answer. That's fucked up. No, yeah. She doesn't get paid the same money that she was promised what I before the most, pandemic, mind you. It's what, not a it's not a pandemic issue that like that she's trying to bring up and like what that I fucking hate shitty apology uh, statement Disney brought out. The multi-billion dollar company Disney uh, trying to like frame it as her, ch- her like attacking them during these these hard times of COVID. That's the that's pan- what I'm talking about. The, yeah, it's the, so the, stupid. the pa- yeah the, these hard times of, um during COVID. Uh, super responsible. Like like go fuck yourself. That, hey, if dude. you really cared about like if you really cared about like these hard times, you'd pay your you'd pay your employees more. That you'd, movie <laughs> that movie was unofficially announced, but like kind of officially announced, like even before that. Comic Con panel, like 2017, 2018, because there were already reports about how much money she was supposed to get yeah. theatrically before COVID. That's it's not a COVID scenario. It's like if it's like if somebody was like, it's shady business practices. Yeah, and since they're a multi-billion-dollar company, they know like really nobody can stop them. You know, but they they should be stopped though. Yeah, and you know? hopefully, like th- hopefully this they're gonna settle. This lawsuit, but they're gonna shed hundred percent. But hopefully, this lawsuit sets some like uh, uh, precedent. And like not only that, there's those kind of rumors that like Emma Stone is planning on taking some kind of action as well because of everything that happened with Corella. Yeah, kind of the same situation too. Obviously, like these big stars are gonna get a cut of the box office revenue. The whole Robert Downey Jr. effect. I mean, come on. Like, well, I mean, it's that. It's like, you know, surprisingly, HBO Max actually took this 
to a much better extent with already just you know paying these people privately. Yeah. When they announced what they were going to do with their movies on H- on um. On sure, TV. you have your Christopher Nolans that have their like titty fits. Yeah, but you don't but see Denny getting pissed off about her outspoke like being you know outspoken about like the money oh, no, being pissed. owed now. No, 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 a lot of them. No, I'm talking about James right Gunn now. Was pissed. I'm talking about right well, now. Well, yeah, yeah, because they I'm settled. Sure- on yeah, something yeah. I'm sure. They Whatever this sucks. Money, Don't get me wrong. Whatever they like, they're just as shitty as Disney. But, but at least they answered the call. <laughs> That's what I'm saying here. But like, it 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 seemed like this during this whole like you know during like the streaming wars, I guess like Warner Brothers has had the best hold and like the best management of their services because like Disney Plus was a mess when it first premiered. You know, I mean, it, w- yeah. it was barely working. You know, like the only original series they kind of had was Mandalorian, but that they they knew that was gonna be. Yeah, a we knew that, anyway. but like not only that, it's just like you know the player was really bad. Like the software wasn't that good. The aspect ratio fuck ups. Oh like, yeah, with the Simpsons yeah. and like with I, I, HBO Max so far, it's like they they kept everything like you know. It's just my problem with it is peaceful. <laughs> yeah, it, my problem so is far. like shit, dude. Just answer the call. You know you're gonna have to <laughs> deal with it because. Like, these people know they have to deal with it because, you know, they're being – they're essentially going to get robbed the money that they were promised yeah. because nobody's really going to go see this in a theater. Yeah, excuse me, in a theater. I yeah. saw it in Disney+. Plus. You saw it in Disney+. Plus. Yeah. The only reason we saw Suicide Squad in the theater was because it's probably the last time we're going to go through a theater for a minute because of the Delta variant probably. Oh, yeah. You know? It, but, like – and and obviously because we were more excited about that more personally. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest there. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. We saw the but Green Knight in the theater too. We so. also did. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like you kind of had to. It's not like because you know, it's not like you have a streaming alternative for that one right now. Right, twenty four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, you think Apple would jump in on that, but whatever. Or like Netflix or something. Yeah. Is it a twenty four doing something with HBO? No, they do something. They they have a partnership with Apple. Some yeah, of the movies premiere okay. on Apple. That's, that's right. the thing. So you would think, like one would imagine, like Green Knight would be there, but it's probably a Loki from before. Yeah. Let's talk about Loki. Let's talk about Loki. And not about how Dwayne Johnson basically didn't like he 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 basically got paid in advance by Disney, and probably put, got paid more <laughs> to avoid any mess with like Jungle Cruise. That's what I was gonna bring up. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, dude. Like, if 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 because if, if you think about it, if the, if this was happening, if this is happening right now with Scarlett Johansson, you know, you would imagine this would also happen to The Rock because his movie is also on Disney Plus. Right now with that thirty dollar fee, mm. but no, I'm I'm pretty sure they just paid him more <laughs> just to keep silence Who knows? and to keep the rock obviously. But Loki, but yeah, Loki, good show, amazing. Talk about a good Marvel property, <laughs> surprisingly. What I think genuinely, I was not excited for Loki at all. I think it was the one I was miss miss, uh, <laughs> uh, least uh, excited, excited for, for, you know. But it turns out to be one of the best things the MCU's ever done. One of the most thought provoking, insightful MCU properties. To have ever come out, and you wouldn't ex- like. I initially did not expect that either. It's know? it's kind of incredible. Like <laughs> like <laughs> like, uh, you know, we hear on, on on Marvel all, all the time. We have so many criticisms of Marvel. You we can write a book honestly. because well, it, you know, for me, I just want it to be better. I just want it to be more than just you know big, ape gaping anus in the sky. Because like you know, some people can just like undermine the conversation. And just say, oh, these are mo- you know. Uh, movies for kids but which they're you know, true. sure but comic books have never just been about you know children they've always they've or always themed or like children-ish themes yeah childish they, themes. they've always you know tackled like these very thought-provoking you know conversations about you know just various things like about, about life and loki was one of those 
one of those rare examples in like I guess comic book properties that really really caters to that insightful conversation that comic that comic book movies usually don't give us. Yeah, you don't really have a comic book movie that talks about fanaticism, fanaticism, religion being like keeping a secret like keeping an organization in um you know in control the morals behind that free will yeah and just destroy anything that try to like you know counters that or tries to up you know um what's the word i'm looking for there like you know turn it over yeah you wouldn't expect that from the loki show and that's exactly what they did and you know i i shouldn't have been surprised Given that it's literally from you know writers from Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty writers, yeah, you know, and as much as I like don't really care about that show anymore, the one thing I will always say about uh, Rick and Morty is that it's always consistent in like the serious shit they talk about. There's a there's always a conversation being had. Yeah, and there you definitely see it in Loki, and yeah. that's probably the most appreciative thing I could give to. That's the biggest praise I could give to that show, which, and that's a lot. Honestly, which, not gonna lie, um, uh, not gonna lie, um. I, I this did feel uh like uh one entire like th- this did feel like uh, one entire like a Rick and Morty episode uh you know uh, with Loki acting as like the Rick character but you know what Loki was able to do in the context of the current MCU like it really both both expanded the universe in a huge way and it, it both did that and served as a you know retrospective an story yeah like an introspective like character piece on loki like like a character that's always kind of been silent as the joke and like you know there's conversations that that are being had with him that really just change the way uh, the way you look at him as a character you know like and his place in the grander mcu and it's I, funny cuz it's not even when you think about it at the end of the day it's not even the real loki in a way yeah, for the majority of that show, he has a shirt that says Varian in the back. He's someone who's not even supposed to exist because he fucked up the timeline by escaping an endgame. Yeah. And you basically have this story about a guy who knows he shouldn't exist and is now countered with is now coming to terms with the fact that, you know, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, I, I, how can I change my fate? How can I do something different? How can I be better? You I know? think... I think so far we've talked about Loki enough without spoilers to, you know, kind of push people to, like, watch it. It's a good show. Yeah, it's a great show. It's the best one that, that they've done so far in this Best one they've Disney done. Plus one Prime. of the best MCU properties they've ever done. Um, and I'm I, happy it actually ended on a cliffhanger. I'm oh, kinda, yeah. No. Like, usually I'm, like, 50-50 on it because I like a season of television to be standalone. Yeah. You know, but I like that they actually stuck to their guns and were like no this you need to see more this is in service of both itself and the grander mcu yeah yeah like they really did you know b- do it both ways they did a great job one. like yeah. this is like exactly kind of i think this should be like the uh like the benchmark i think this should be like you know what this is MC- the standard this, this is this be should the be the standard for for MCU properties going forward what that or daredevil <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, that's, that's completely different monster. I know, know, but you know. Yeah. Hopefully. Every time I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> I will never yeah, stop. Um, <laughs> I will never stop fighting. But yeah, I guess we could. I guess we can talk spoilers. about spoilers now. All right. You so know. let me ask you, who do you think is the worst decision maker, Sylvie or Star Lord? I find you know as as silly as some of these fan 
fandom questions are, I do like that one a lot because I have my answer, obviously. But, you know, I, I think about what Sylvie, a.k.a. Fiumo Loki, a.k.a. I think it's probably just the Enchantress instead. Um, just Sylvie. Yeah, but it's literally the same power set as the Enchantress. She literally says, I can enchant things multiple times. And, like, Sylvie is one of her aliases mm-hmm. in the comics. So I assume they're probably... If not, you know, I've been Enchantress this whole time, she'll probably have a new identity and call herself the Enchantress. Sure. But uh, as I was saying, like, you have Sylvie who was like, fuck it, kill this guy that I've been... That's, you know, fucked up my whole life the entire time and also fuck up the entire multiverse and the world by unleashing another council of Ricks in the form of Kangs versus Star-Lord, which was like, you know, instantly try to shoot and murder the man who, you know, killed the only person you loved while at the same time fucking up the one shot they had to get all the Infinity Stones. Even though you kind of can hold both those situations to the same standard, I feel like it's a little different in the sense that, like, where Sylvie, you kind of expected that and it was more of a build-up towards that. And it's like, it makes sense as to why she would do this, like, very rational decision. I I still think what Star-Lord did makes a whole lot of sense. It does, kind of, but, like, that's more kind of very... uh, uh, a spur moment, just very uh, dr- a drastic decision. Yeah, you know. What I'd ar- I'd ask you, which one is worse? Huh? Fucking up. The I mean, Infinity obviously Sylvie's. Or Sylvie's. But then yeah. again, but then again, what Sylvie did also kind of paved the way for whatever their whatever free will is in this universe. You know. That's true. Yeah. Even though. So she kind of freed. Yeah. The timeline. Even though it's technically proclaimed as like nothing but chaos, essentially. Which. Which well, makes look, sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense because you have, you know... That's free will. Yeah. Free will free is will. chaos. Freedom. Why not have more Jonathan Majors <laughs> than just one? Look, I, I want... I want to, Obviously, I want to talk a little bit more about Ed Sylvie. Eden must love Sylvie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look, like, I, I want to talk about more about Sylvie, obviously, but... Fuck I'm it. glad I, I we didn't wanted... mention her prior to the to the prior to the spoilers. Oh yeah, because be, her being there was uh, was kind of a surprise. We were expecting it too. Well, I was but expecting like, it, but like definitely like what she brought to the show was not expected at all. Oh and yeah, I, I loved everything they did with it. What every what they what everyone brought to the show yeah. was a massive surprise. Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, so good, dude. Their so chemistry good. is fucking is on fire. Like and even like his chemi- chemistry with Sylvie. Yeah, you know, like he, it's funny seeing that. It's like, oh yeah, it's just a romantic thing with yourself. But I kind of d- dug that too. Yeah, you know, because they are two different types of people. But even though they're the same, like I don't know, I found it interesting and weird for a, you know a sci-fi show like that. That's cool. I like. I like it is weird and like kind of like a little tough to like wrap your head around, especially if you're like a younger kid watching this. But like again, I do appreciate that like Marvel, at least this, is trying to like challenge you and yeah. like to really think about like things in a different way. And like you know, like also, they got weird. It, you know, it is that's, weird. That's the that's the best thing I could give it. Like they went weird with and, it. And and that's that's all I want from I, Marvel. Yeah, I'd rather. That's what take... comics are. Comics are fucking weird, dog. Yeah, some of them Ultimate are. comics are fucking. Insane, like. Don't get me started on Ultimate Comics. <laughs> exactly. I, I, like, I already started crying the other day because of the fucking Iron Man stuff that I missed. But um, not really. I cry for other things. But um, with the Loki show, I haven't shed a tear in years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man. You look into my eyes, just black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn it. With Loki, uh. I'm glad it was that instead of what I thought it was going to be, which was, oh, it's me fucking around with the time stream. Yay, I'm D.B. Cooper. You know, like, yeah, you got that flashback. Yeah. But it wasn't that. 
And you like, know? it was I, like, is God real? And great marketing too. Very <laughs> yeah. g- great misleading marketing. They've always done pretty well with that. Yeah, I've always given yeah, yeah. props to Marvel for that. E- and like, like, even for the stuff I don't care for. <laughs> and like, it, you know, I, I guess like with Loki, like just again, like a good 70% of the show is 70 to like 60% of the show is them sitting down and talking. Yeah. Just about the concepts and ideas and like, you know, like what it means to actually be free. Essentially like, is God real? Is God real? The second episode is one of the best fucking like dialogue scenes. uh, Sorry. One of the best fucking conversations in the entire show. Like in the MCU. That's uh, a 10 out of 10 Marvel short film. Yeah. Right there. Like when, when I'm talking about the scene when Loki and, um, Oh my God. Um, uh, Mobius. Mobius are talking while they're like invest while they're trying to figure out where they're like, like in a cafeteria, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> where uh, the the variant, which is what they call Sylvie at the time, is hiding, and like literally, it's it's Loki who just had his whole world shocked, thinking, "Oh, this is my world. Odin is the god. You know, this is the Thanos has become more powerful through the use of this magic." He's like, "This oh, is all bullshit." Yeah, mm-hmm. th- these things are li- Infinity Stones are literally paperweights. This yeah. has no effect. This is none of it's that real. That's episode one, though. That's episode huh? one. I know, but yeah. it leads into that conversation where he has, where like he already has his world shook, think knowing that oh, it's all just a lie, and he's talking to Mobius saying, "Hey, isn't this all just a lie? Where are the Timekeepers? Who the fuck are the Timekeepers? Yeah, why do you guys even do this? What's going?" What's, what's what the fuck? Why don't you remember your life? You know, why can't you just get a jet why ski? Why do you like jet skis? Yeah, why can't you just buy one? Why can't you just fuck around you in can't a jet have ski? Fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like and uh, again, And he's like, like oh, I don't know. And like, you know, <laughs> like it, it both balances it both balances like complicated themes, you know, that the Mar- Marvel hasn't really explored before and it stays true to these characters. Like this is the kind of conversation I would imagine Loki would have in in the state of his life. Yeah. You know, and like you know, bringing Owen Wilson there, just like such a like, he's such a bre- breath of fresh air because he's just a dude. It's literally just Owen Wilson. He's just a dude, and he's like, wow, time. Like, I don't think like, he, does he ever say wow in the? He the says Irish how. Show? Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> close enough. Yeah, close and enough. like, I, in general, you know, like everything that Loki was able to do, and like the things that they tried to push, um, you know. To kind of change the status quo of the of Marvel, like it did it very successfully, and this, and again, everything leads back to uh, Jonathan Waters. No, not Jonathan, Jonathan Majors. Waters. Jonathan Majors. Sorry. Okay. As he, as Kang. He who remains. He who remains. But yeah, yeah it's, it's fucking Kang. Yeah. But, well, uh, Nathaniel Richards. This be or whatever. The first someone. one. The first version of version Kang. of Kang is yeah. is Nathaniel Richards. To be consistent, he who remains. Yes. He who, yeah. Yeah. He who remains, but he has another name in the comics. But it's yeah. It's like it's, uh, it starts with a G. Yeah. Something some, like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. He is the most powerful. He is the most powerful and less evil version of Kang. Yes. I want to get to Kang in a second. Okay. But I, I I do want to mention. You know that the the other Rick and Mortyness of the series, which is trying to escape, you know, the characteristics that make who you are. Like even when he meets up with Richard E. Grant as classic Loki and yeah. kid Loki, and I mean, I don't know which other Loki that was, but like there's I, a, there's kid Loki, boastful Loki, um, there's classic Loki, there's present well, Loki, there's there's present Loki, but what's the other one? Which one? The black guy. That's boastful Loki. What? That's boastful Loki. What was what both both loves? boastful boastful like, oh that's what he's credited like, as confidently Loki oh shit that's I his didn't name know yeah that. boastful Loki yeah he didn't seem that boastful to me right? well, yeah. I don't remember it. but um 
No, I, I had no idea. I thought he was like more Norse and Loki or something like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Then there's a there's a Ali Loki or what? Ali Loki or Loki oh Dil. alligator Loki. Yeah, yeah, Gator Loki. Yeah, fucking love fucking it, hilarious. love it. Yeah. But like, I I scenes like that that show the Rick and Morty more of the Rick and Mortyness of this show, which was oh yeah, you know even though we're all the same, like even though we're all different versions of each other, we still end up alone. We still end up fucking heartbroken and, you know, disheveled. Glorious and, purpose! Yes, and, and still holding on to that dream that isn't really real. And it's like, I like that, too, because it presents a challenge to what I'm going to, for simplicity, uh, for the sake of simplicity, uh, call lead Loki with this version of Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. You know, to challenge himself and be like, I need to be better. I need to be different. Than, it draws back to the I, themes. I am and it, who I've been. It draws back to the original themes of the show where it's like making your own purpose. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of can't just live to like, you know, can't, oh, thunder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of just, you can't live up to like that status quo that was made for you. Like, you kind of, you, you have to like embrace your free will and kind of make, you know, yeah. make your own purpose. But and, at the same time, it's also like, are you doomed to repeat the same things that you've, done before in the past it's like like, are you really able to escape that and like i know i know lately i've been connecting everything to berserk but like (laughs) like the idea of like going against the tides of causality and struggling against you know destiny air quotes is the biggest theme of berserk and that's that's honestly really like that that's exemplified here in loki like like you you really see that through the lenses of the mcu and i i really appreciate everything that loki tried to do you know and then you get the biggest challenge for him so far and with that, you know, with that goal for his character in the form of Kang or he who remains, who is like, yeah, I know you were going to come here. I knew you were going to try to kill me or one of you was going to try to kill me. I knew that everything was going to lead to this moment. I you programmed were very everything so you can't hit me. Exactly. You don't got nothing on me, dog. Like, <laughs> Fucking amazing yeah, performance. Yeah, like, okay, Majors. all right, okay, okay. That motherfucker must win an Emmy or he, must be nominated by next year. I again. don't really love kind of like the wacky Kang. Like, I do, I like, do. It, it seems a little forced, like a little like like a little cringy. I don't know. Oh, no, but I find I think it he's sad. gonna be really good as like, you know, Kang. Like, I can't yeah. wait. I can't fucking wait to see him blue faced, just completely like badass. Oh, you think Kang they're gonna the do the blue face? I think they will. I, I think that like, I think what they're gonna do is they'll probably do like um, war paint, like what they uh, like the time travel suits. Almost like they did the Avengers, where it's like mm. it's the visor, and then there's like a digital visor that goes over your face. Probably, and probably the update would be it's like the it's that like shape of the helmet with like the visor kind of covering his skin. Maybe so that's how he could like breathe. To be honest, I kind of just like the costume he has in the show too. Like yeah, I, I mean, I really, that's he who remains though. I know it I is know. a different character. I know, but I'm like. And that goes into why I love his character so much because he's presented as a guy who is literally begging for somebody to kill him because he's lived so long. He's and so seen bored. So much. He's so bored, but he's also like so tired yeah. of maintaining all of this, of being the basically the Oz behind the the time uh, the timekeepers. And when it gets past to the point where like he doesn't know what's gonna happen next, he's just so happy. He's like, "Oh my god, yeah, fuck I yeah, can, I can die." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's it's great. I, dude. I think that I think it. For me, like that's why I really love that interpretation of the character. I, I because it's just presented, you know, in in he presented in such a disturbing way. 
It's like that is so unique to a Marvel villain. It's you just know, like, this shits on Thanos immediately because <laughs> his potential is bigger than like you know anything we've ever had in Marvel. Oh yeah, and, but like, I'm talking about just about in introductions alone. No, yeah, oh yeah, and like this is definitely a better introduction <laughs> to him than Thanos. Yeah, remember when he got told off in the first Galaxy movie, in Guardians movie? Yeah, like and he just said okay. <laughs> like no, this like it, it shows that what we're getting now uh, for the grander scope of the MCU is going to be very different. And like I Loki kind of feel like um, Loki. each <laughs> each version that we're gonna see of Kang from now on is just gonna die in each movie. It's like no, the big one's coming. He's coming, or maybe like the because Jonathan Majors is gonna come back in Quantumania, the Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, and it yeah. makes me think like is that gonna be the prime version of Kang the Conqueror, the, just the evil, fucking, time Nazi? Like I'm thinking about the, like what movies are supposed to be released at this point? So like what Quantumanium next? I think. For the Marvel side of things. Well, no. I mean, we still got Shang-Chi. That's Eternals. right, Shang-Chi. Uh, after Eternals, I think it's Doctor Strange. Well, uh, in between. Um, like, actually, before that, it's... After Eternals, it's supposed to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Then, That's right. Doctor Strange. Yeah, what the fuck am I talking about? Jesus. And I think... I think Ant-Man is after... But that's the thing. It got re- Loki. Loki got renewed for season two. So yeah. I don't really know what the fuck kind of story they could tell if the Kang thing is supposed to lead in... Unless they just bookmark like production on season two right now or immediately to try to like gear it up for or during when is Quantumania. when is multiverse of madness supposed to come out i think like a like february of next year next year like, like would there be somewhere time in, for another season between... of loki to set up doctor strange or like is doctor strange just gonna pick up right after loki i, I don't know that's that's the interesting question and like, like are we gonna get lead loki as you say like in lead- Doctor Strange, or are we going to get another variant That's of Loki? That's actually confirmed, actually. So that we're getting... Lead Loki is supposed to... Uh, I read a uh, on The Hollywood Reporter when Season 2 got greenlit, or, or got announced the same day as the finale. Yeah, uh, apparently he's uh, Tom Hiddleston's expected re- to return oh, okay. for Doctor Strange. Too. Here's like a really interesting like fan theory. Which is um, like, damn, that movie feels more bloated than I thought it would be. It feels uh, more bloated than Spider-Man now. <laughs> I mean, you get... In terms dude, of storylines. I mean, lines. dude. You get Sam Raimi behind that. You know they're going to do something special. You know. Yeah, but that's the thing. Bloated storylines and Sam Raimi don't necessarily mix well. Sure, that's right. But, hey, this could be something he wants to do. You know. I hope. <laughs> yeah. I hope. But, like, okay. Like, this is a really interesting fan theory that, you know, kind of, like, in, in retrospect, like, it, it could be possible or it just could be, like, just a coincidence. But if if you, like, if... um. You sync up uh, the end, like you know, the last episode of Scarlet Witch. Uh, oh uh, yeah, of Wanda Vision with the with the, the moment Kang realizes he doesn't know what happens next. Yeah, yeah. and like, and it syncs up to the moment she becomes Scarlet Witch. You kind of sync up in a certain way. You watch both of them at the same time, and it looks like there's like the second that she became Scarlet Witch is when um, Kang finally like lost vision of what's gonna happen yeah it's at the same time yeah Yeah. i uh, which honestly i i like it's really cool when you think about it because like damn that that is sick and like it makes sense towards you know what's gonna happen eventually in in multiverse of madness because it seems like everything is just leading up to dr strange and whatever the fuck is gonna happen to dr strange is going to be the the main baseline of you know but that's the going forward with the mcu about it because like obviously we don't know yet you know, we don't know more details. Spider-Man about comes out first, thing. then Doctor Strange. Then Doctor Strange. But then Ant-Man is supposed to come up after Doctor Strange. Because I don't even think they started filming yet. So how big is Quantumanium supposed to be? That's the thing. I don't yeah. know. Because, you know, like, like, they confirmed. Well, this is what they said. Like, oh, Jonathan Majors is playing 
Kang the Conqueror in Quantumanium. So, are we but getting... he's technically already showed up in but the Loki show. As he the as the man uh, he who remains. Well, I'm talking That's about the statue at the in the cliffhanger. Wait, like, I assume that statue of is of, Kang the Conqueror. Is Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, there. but yeah. yeah, and like you know, again, like you know, are are we getting the main main villain version of this character with Ant Man and the Wasp? That would be cool. But like, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, like you know, what's gonna happen now in Quantumanium? Yeah. Like, how big of an impact is that going to have? Because I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the time travel suits that Hank Pym had for, you know, uh, or not the time travel suits, but, like, the suits they, the, the suits they use. Huh? The suits for Endgame you're talking about? Uh, well, there's that, and the, um, the, it's either that or the suits they use to go into, like, the... Oh, and Ant-Man the, and the Wasp. To yeah. Save Michelle the Michelle Pfeiffer. To save yeah, Danny. yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I, I'm positive that they're probably going to use something like that for, like, you know, um... For Kang's uh, get up. Also, another thing you noticed that little like circular thing he had on his hand that I guess he's able to control time. It's his own version of the TVA yeah. pad. That's similar in concept to the time travel watches they had in Endgame. Oh, yeah. Which is hmm. cool detail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that yeah. one. Yeah. I. I don't know what the fuck they're going to There's do a lot next. that could happen yeah, and like happen. this is the right this again this is the right mix for Loki like this is the right mix for the MCU where like you're uh, setting up grand things while also telling a, an interesting standalone ish story. story yeah. yeah and like this is again this should be the stand going forward. Uh I feel like we didn't talk about her that much n- enough but I do want to say Sofia De Martino as you know Sylvie is fucking great. great. You know, great. She was really She's a good. great addition to the MCU and I can't wait to see her role going forward. I fucking love that Doctor Who episode where they're just in the planet together and it's like we got to save the planet and they just ends with <laughs> they're it. like about to fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're No, not even that. It's like the the planet just fucking dies yeah. and they're like, "Oh, okay, we failed." Yeah. <laughs> Time to get a drink or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I I like I like her whole demeanor. I like you know the attitude she brings to the series. Um, I like her chemistry with Tom with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, like they're great together, even though they're technically the same person. It's just yeah. funny to me. Like I, people, a lot of people are weirded out by that. I mean, I get it, you know, but it's a sci-fi series. You I know? mean, it's when science you really fiction. You're talking it, about like, somebody who is loving a different version of himself, and it's like a form of self-love too. It, it kind of know? is, but when you when you think about it, they are technically two separate entities. They are. So know? it's not. It's not. I don't find it weird. It's not not weird. No. Well, okay, weird in the sense of like people find it like problematic, like how they like look at any little frame from any of these blockbuster things and make a fucking uh, medium article about it. Yeah, but those people don't exist. Those problems don't exist. Oh, okay. Only Twitter makes them. Unfortunately, those people do exist. (laughs) No, yeah, but they only exist on Twitter. Yeah. Which in reality, Twitter doesn't exist. It's just words (laughs) on a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, literally. Chris, Chris Chan is not real. She doesn't. I don't want to talk about Christian. We're not talking about. I don't Chris want to talk Chan about Christian no. any more than what I've mentioned. No. Yeah. But Loki. Yeah, good one. Loved it. The good one. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um. Can you believe fucking what if has to be canon now? Yeah. <laughs> this is we talked about this. Yeah. Like they could whatever happened, whatever ended up happening in Loki or WandaVision. Could <laughs> we make, were right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I mean, fucking hope that show is good. Yeah. At least in terms of, like, animation. That I saw a little bit of that Marvel Zombies episode that they were setting up in yeah. one of the previews. Looked cool. Yeah. It's just they can never really do Marvel Zombies to its full potential. Oh, yeah, no, because there's no such thing as blood in that show. Yeah. In the in those movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Imagine, can you imagine, like, an entire Marvel Zombies 
like miniseries written by Robert Kirkman. Oh, God. oh dude, they wouldn't. End. <laughs> they don't have the balls. The balls to adapt something and be creative. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they do it. Yeah, yeah they, they did with this one. You know what was also creative? And an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. That beach that makes you old. Oh shit. Talk about the beach that makes you old. Starring <laughs> How <M>. old? Night Shyamalan. <laughs> old. <laughs> old. M Night. Sh- M. I like. I. I. I fucking. It's such a stupid tweet, but I. I fucking love it. Seeing all those things where it's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see the, the movie about the beach that makes you old. And I'm like, that should have been the title. What's it called? Old. Old. <laughs> yeah. But that should have been the title. Like a 30, like a schlocky 30s horror movie. Yeah. Directed by like uh, Ed Wood, The Beach That Makes You Old. That's what it f- feels like to me. That sounds like a, like a, like a student short film. Yeah, that too. <laughs> or like like an old like like poem. I'm like. just I'm just seeing it like in black and white, you know, some trauma guy is there and it's like, ah, and he just like half of his arm is a skeleton. It just cuts. You don't even see the effect. It just no, ha- like, it just hard no, no, cuts no, no. to a skeleton. Like, no, no, no. The way plopping. it would be done, it, it, it's like you see like the shadow of like the man, and like there's a hard shadow over like where the bones and like the skin would meet. So you can't actually see him turning, but yeah. you just see. <laughs> then the like five years pass by, and then another guy shows up with friends. He dies, and they're like, "Oh my god, look how old he got. He died." This must this beach must make you old. No, and then they just this stare beach at the much camera. makes you. Uh, sorry, this beach must. Well, Jesus, must. this <laughs> beach must make you turn to the camera. Oh, and then the title credits just pop it. Old. We saw the Alamo. Yeah, I'm so, very happy we did that. So during our LA trip, we ended up going to Alamo Theater, and which, by the way, okay, I love Alamo Theater. So you guys are great. Your shirts fucking suck. Really? Dude, my shirt's fucking shrunk. Oh. Maybe I have to, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'll I figure haven't it out. worn mine yet. But, yeah, but whatever. Animal Theater, great experience. You know, um, if, if if you're into, like, I guess, like, the Fangoria side of, like, the film, like. If you're a fucking the, geek like us. You if you're, would like, just, this. like, if you're just, like, a horror scumbag, like, like, uh, just that side of, like, the of uh, 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 film fandom, uh, Alamo is up your alley. Um, it's just kind of like one of the coolest ways to watch movies. Like, oh, yeah. They, they they have different screenings, obviously, you know, for, for movies that are coming out recently. And also they have special screenings of like older films. And instead of having like trailers in front of the movies, they have specific clips from different movies or different like infomercials. Well, that te- le- yeah. Uh, well, technically, like they do have trailers right before the movie but as yeah as you were saying well like, no but th- no I I meant trailer in the sense of like they don't have like trailers for brand new movies and we didn't watch the trailer for the Batman in front of that oh yeah but yeah. We, you do get different clips and trailers from older movies or different things that uh, lead into the story of old which is really cool yeah like, like I, I never never didn't really expect that and that's a really cool way to kind of tie things in I've always heard about that because obviously we don't have an Alamo here. No, we the don't. The closest one we have Which is in is, Orlando. Why the fuck don't we have an Alamo in Miami? I don't that know. That seems like such free real estate. Just fucking, you could take down that Cinebistro by our house and just replace oh, and it with an Alamo. Yeah, Dolphin, Dolphin. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd rather take that. I mean, I'm down to go four hours to a fucking The Alamo, Alamo seems like Orlando. the perfect place. For, I mean, Dolphin Mall seems like the perfect place for an Alamo theater. Yeah. I mean, especially with the size that we went to. I thought it was going to be like a big-ass Cineplex. But no, it was like... 
was pretty decent it was size. Like a mall. Yeah, Basically. it was like it's a small little part of the mall. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a there's like I guess like two or three floors. Yeah. There's like the base floor where you you know they have all the all the merchandise. Yeah, the can... merchandise, the rentals. They which have was like, like this... I was so excited because I thought I didn't know it was a rental part, and I thought they had this was... cool DVD rental program where basically yeah. you have like a membership, you pay per month, and you can rent out like what three movies a month, something like that. But I I was under the assumption when we that were looking at them. it that you could just buy them and be like, sir, this is mine, I want it. And I was looking at a copy of Possession that was I think. A double feature disc, a DVD with like some Fulci movie, I think. And I'm like, oh, finally, I could get it alongside our fucking childhood classic Vampiro de la Havana. Yeah. That we that you found there, you know, that we've lost our collective. Vampires from Havana. Fucking great film. Yeah. But um, you know, it's been years since I saw that. I, I I thought we I was so close. I thought we were actually going to buy it. You know. Yeah. My we heart bought a, We bought some T-shirts. You know. Yeah. We bought some. Um, we did what we could there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, being in the animal was really cool. I yeah. love doing that. I would love to go when I guess there's more people because there was like a little like bar area, like tables and like a projection where I assume people can like you know uh, perform and do like stand up or something. I, I, I think it's still because of California COVID laws. Oh yeah, right now. Well, yeah, because when we went to like when we went to Cali, I guess they had just lived. <coughs> they had just set up more laws. Yeah, like you can't for COVID. Right before we got there, um, they were okay with people going inside places with a uh, without a mask. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case when we, when oh, we got there. Oh, nobody had a mask in Vegas, by the way. Oh, no yeah, one. no. Vegas is it's, – it's fiend town. <laughs> but, like, it's yeah. – you know, th- that's, the, that's Vegas for you. But um, with, <laughs> I love that we're talking more about Alamo than the actual movie itself. But th- that's the thing. It was just a fun experience going yeah. in there because they had themed drinks after the movies. Uh, I mean, named after the movies, and they also, yeah, like the promotional material. Like they had a Ramones uh, music video play before the actual film, call uh, for "I Don't Want to Get Old." That's one of their songs, yeah. and I thought that was a funny little touch, you yeah. know. Like, and then the movie played, yeah, which really I, bad. I, <laughs> I thought it was really fun. Okay, no, okay, okay. Here's the thing. All right, so like, we're big M Night Shyamalan fans, and yes. like. Even if I don't like an M Nine Shyamalan movie, aside from Glass, I can enjoy it. Like, and I can only do that with, I can't do that with a handful of his films. Like, well, I don't know because, like, I okay, like, I see old kind of in the same like ballpark as like something like uh, The Happening or something like I don't know what's another fun uh, or, or something like The Visit, where it's like very schlocky, very like just like. You know, it's it's not it's not meant to be taken serious, and it's just a fun time with a stupid concept. And I, you know, I appreciate it for that. You know, and like there are cool filmmaking uh, techniques that are being done here because you know I think it's his most experimental movie yet. In a lot of ways, yeah, maybe it just not in co- terms of technical. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, not concept wise, but on the technical aspect of it, the cinematography was insane. Yeah, you know, uh, Mike G, he, he, which is you know his, one of my favorite cinematographers. Yeah, and he's worked on with M Night for at least like three of his movies. So yeah, far? he's done It Follows. He's done Under the Silver Lake. He didn't Split. Yeah, he but did, with uh, M Night, yeah, Split yeah. and Glass, and I think it was their third movie together. Yeah, unless he worked on Servant, that show on Apple. I wouldn't TV be surprised. Plus. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So I've heard good things actually. Like yeah. it's a genuinely good show. Like yeah. look, like I wouldn't say this is a good movie, but this was a very fun movie for me. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I. Very I schlocky. It's schlocky, but like I've come to expect that. You know, it's a different thing going into something like Glass, and then being hit with that 
you know, having those expectations that this is going to be like a big, crazy, his like own take on a ending to a superhero trilogy, and then getting that, but not really getting that, getting that, you know, like setting up things that's supposed to be like a big, you know, third act set piece, but then it comes ends out of left with field. comes out of left field and people literally just hate it, die in a fucking puddle of mud, yeah. like it's. The less said about Glass, the better. Yeah. You know? But with this one, I came into it looking at the trailer and I, thinking... Is Glass like, like the unforgivable movie of this podcast? I think it really is. Like... Like, we... I was so fucking excited for Glass. So... It's so bad. And then it was just... It was one of those things where it's like, fuck, that sucked. Yeah. You know, like, it really sucks to see... Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm glad he did whatever he did. You know? Like, at the very least, I can say that Glass is unique, but I don't care <laughs> that it was unique. I... You know? I, Sure. I, I I got I'm still upset that it wasn't you know what I wanted, which is I think is kind of the point he was trying to make with that movie. But regardless, I went into old thinking this is probably gonna be some fun silly schlock. It looks like fun silly schlock from the trailers and uh, and spots, mm. and it was exactly that with you know some nice little surprises here and there of like you know actual good acting yeah. in, in spots and yeah. actual and actual like. Like really interesting choices of cinematography, really interesting like deaths too that I found like enjoyable from a on a visual level. It's and kind of like on a comedic ironic level as well. It's just like most of my love this movie come from irony, but like the genuine praise for (laughs) yeah. But like the genuine praise does go into like the technical aspects of the movie because I I did appreciate a lot of it. Like when shit started getting crazy and the camera just starts like like. turning around different characters zooming in to, to, to just different things you're talking about like the 360 shot yeah those, when, when they're there's all different si- 360 uh, shots yeah. different characters and then like the camera is like violently zooming into like different things that you know you need to pay attention oh. to are you talking about the I I, I there's a my few favorite, scenes in the movie I, I know but that. my favorite example of that is when the kids are playing uh, I can't remember what, what game they're playing but they're playing on the beach and you just see them like chasing after each other it's pretty early on in the movie on the beach sure the camera is like violently like zooming in and kind of like going around like a kid's shoulder and like following the kids as they're sure also the thing with this movie is like i immediately forgot everything about it like the second we walked out (laughs) i i i I don't really remember most of the character motivations or most of the characters things the only character but i really enjoyed like i i enjoyed the experience of watching it the only character name i remember is miss essendon Midsize Sedan, yeah. the stupidest name for a rapper. <laughs> and that that's, oh, God, that felt like... He looked like a reggaetonero. <laughs> yeah, he like, he looks like he, he speaks Spanish <laughs> from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Boricua. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was one of those things that really bothered me because you could tell that, like, you could definitely tell with this movie that Shyamalan's going into the schlock cult movie factor with yeah. this, where it's like, I want this to be a thing that people will make fun of Almost and kind of like play around did with. Did he take like, the Kevin Smith approach with this? I feel like he kind of did with something like a dumb line, like mid-sized sedan, because nobody in the right mind in this reality would call themselves, if they went into rap, if they would call themselves mid-sized sedan. Why would you go to Rolling Loud and cheer for a dude called Mid-Size Sedan? And then, like, the kid's freaking out. Yeah, I know. And that was so funny to me, too, because it felt like yeah. it felt like when you're watching an episode of Victorious or iCarly, and it's like, oh, it's that band that's definitely not that band you know, but it's that band that I really like. And they're so hip and cool, Mom. 
<laughs> like that's what they that's it's what it's like well, like in um in like that's her raving like the boys in motion <laughs> boys we are the boys in motion <laughs> <laughs> fuck i forgot about boys in motion or like chip skylark yeah you know like it, it's like that it's like oh my god i fucking love chip skylark and it's like i i fucking love justin timberlake too okay. <laughs> <laughs> god uh, it's it's that and ooh, oh sorry i was supposed to eat lunch right now uh, oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I try to... Counting your macros it. there, buddy? I, I have been, actually. It's nice. been pretty good. You know, when you when you shave your head, you kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah, I was bald now. Yeah, I, I, I'm i bald now. I shaved my head. Good for you. You yeah. look great. When, what, but as I was saying, like, thank you. Um, When you shave your head, you kind of, like, this is my approach to it. Like, I kind of have to not be fat anymore. You know what I mean? No, like, I have to not really. my figure. I have to be healthy. Bodges look, like, big dudes look good bald. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I'd i rather look, if I'm going to shave my head, if this is what I think it's just being self-conscious, be. man. You look good. Accept no, it. but this is also just, like, me accepting the fact that, like, I need to, like, you know, take care of myself more. Well, yeah, you know, sure. Just so but I that's a given. Better. That's yeah, given. Just look more presentable. And that comes with just, like, you know, counting my macros. Well, you're saying like, fat people aren't presentable? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying now that I have a shaved head. You're walking on, on eggshells right here, bro. <laughs> you're a beautiful fat person, okay? You gotta be fat. <laughs> <laughs> you, we've all mentioned this. Huh? That you're fat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. And I'm fat, too, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We're beautiful the way we are. No, we're not. Oh, okay. We're disgusting. I guess. And we should be ashamed of our fatness. What would our Shyamalan-themed death be? Huh? Like us eating like a chicken wing or some shit like that. <laughs> you think that's what it would be? Or like our stomach just plops open. Okay, this is really like fucked up, but this is like an hilarious part of the movie. <laughs> like, okay, so I guess spoilers-ish. Like when there's a character that is a little kid. There's Okay, there's a little boy and a little girl. And they grow older. Oh, and okay. one of – and like the girl and the little boy – like they, the Naked Brothers band and Eliza Scanlon. Yeah, like yeah. they, I, I, you know, they grow up. Wait, to is be it like, Nat Wolf or is it Alex Wolf? This is Alex Wolf. Is Alex I think. Wolf? I think Hereditary yeah. Kid. Yeah, those who um, playing at home. He, um, they grow older. They become teenagers. Obviously, hormones are all over the place. They fuck, and and you know she gets pregnant, and like the baby, like she, you know, nine months goes goes past in like twenty minutes, like just going really fast like you know the baby instantly dies too yeah and it's fucked up don't get me wrong baby dying i get it but i think it's so funny the way one of the characters react to it it's like i left him alone for one second he died like it's like (laughs) it wasn't saying like he died of uh he died of uh abandonment or he died of neglect or something like that the doctor character is so fucking funny, dude. The doctor, okay. This is every Both of line. the doctors are fucking hilarious Which, to me. Oh, yeah. My name is Jared. <laughs> Please. I'm a doctor. My name is Jared. As if that's the, like, oh, okay, now I believe you. Because your name is Jared. You're definitely a doctor. In my and I guess, eyes. like, <laughs> one of the guys had, a, like, Alzheimer's. And it was, like, it, it was, like, rapid, rapid. Rapid Alzheimer's, yeah, like not Craig Ferguson going fucking crazy. I can't remember his name, but that yeah, guy was pretty good. Yeah, he's just stabbing people. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of being racist too. Oh yeah, mega racist. Mega like, racist. He kills him, and he's like, "You have to believe me." He was coming at me or something like that. Yeah, like, mid-sized sedan. He kills yeah. mid-sized sedan. And he's like, he had a gun or something like. Like, <laughs> like are you fucking serious? 
And then they do nothing with him for the majority. They just keep him on the sidelines he's until he has to die yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. He's literally just there to be the person to explain things. Which, by the way, they're, like, leaping buildings and bounds to, like, come up with the conclusion of what's happening here. Well, oh, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty obvious that they're aging rapidly. I don't know, but they kind of, they kind of like, figured everything out pretty fast. Oh, okay. It's I like, can't remember if it was because of the journal that, um... That uh, girl from Jojo Rabbit girl okay. gets, or if it's just them, yeah, just oh, jumping to conclusions. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, it's like it's also from yeah, Last yeah. Time Soho. I can't remember her name. Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah, that's it. She's gonna have a she's gonna have a big career. Oh yeah, she's gonna have yeah. a huge career. Yeah, but um, what was I saying? It, I think it was probably that. I can't remember the 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 role of the journal. I don't it, know, but you know that's the thing. I I I think if the movie ended 20 minutes before, it would have been a solid, like, not perfect movie, but a solid film in Shyamalan's filmography, especially in his recent filmography. Like, this would be up there, I think, with... I like The Ooh, Village a lot. No. I think this, it would be up there with, like, Village, or, and it would definitely be up there with, like, Glass if it ended with the two of uh, the two kids, the siblings, fully grown. It's just just accepting their fate and just playing the, uh, with the sand on the beach. It's just this movie's too ingrained in Shamla style for it to be more significant than something like Unbreakable or like Six Sense or anything like that. Because this is a pretty deep films. Like yeah. those are very like nuanced like held back version of like Shyamalan style this is just going full pelt to the metal boss of the walls weird conversation dialogue like. but like that's the thing it's is it is that I will give you that I, I will admit it. it is that but you also have this element of like looming dread because they kind of don't know what to do they they literally cannot escape the island or at least for the majority of the movie they don't know how to escape the island and a lot of them just accept their fate and just say fuck it we're just gonna have to die old you know and i like that idea a lot more even though it's kind of like fucked up and nihilistic because because it reminds me of shit like you know it it the way i took it it was like it, Shyamalan did a junji ito or he did like a twilight zone Ooh. episode where they just that it, it but it is well, you know tw- like yeah, some of his stories are literally zone. it deals yeah, with sure. those themes of like oh we're dealing with an otherworldly force that is unlike anything else Shyamalan that needs a human his own... person can handle you just have to die at this point like it fucking why sucks. the fuck did jordan peele bring back twilight zone it should have been Shyamalan. <laughs> honestly i think it would have been much better it, if Shyamalan it could have worked much better i feel i think i don't think really peele had that much of a creative um, in, had that much creative input into it. I think he just had his name attached to it. I think I don't know. At least I think for that second like, season, I believe. I think somebody like Shyamalan, where you need kind of like a um, just um, what's the term for those kinds of movies? Jesus, um, different stories. Um, anthology. Yes, for like an anthology, anthology type series, I feel like that works best for something like Shyamalan because like Shyamalan's concepts and ideas are great. Mm-hmm. Devil is a great example of that yeah. where he didn't direct it, he didn't write it, he just can, kind of came up with the concept and the story. You know, these you know these people are trapped in an elevator and, and they slowly keep off dying because it's some, some type of entity. Yeah. I think those are cool concepts and like a concept like this, can you imagine if somebody like Luca Guadagino would have taken the script of old. Can you imagine what he would have done with that? I see what you're saying. So, but... like, get these concepts and get, like, filmmakers that Shamanan sees potential in or, like, can really, like, make it their own. And I think, you know, I don't know. I just feel like Shamanan is I... much better as, like, like, a master of puppets type of thing well, instead okay. of, like, you know, him directing 
his own work. <laughs> well, no, that okay. I see what you mean, and yeah. I do champion that idea because, and I th- he's he's definitely done that before, especially with shit like Devil and I think uh, Wayward Pines. That's which right. Is a show yeah. on, on Fox yeah, yeah. that was apparently really good. I haven't seen it yet, but. I've Isn't that things. didn't Vince Gilligan work on that too, or was that something else? No, I know Vince Gilligan worked so. on like some murder show after. He Breaking worked Bad. on a murder show after Breaking Bad, in between like that and Better Call Saul, yeah. but it wasn't really like a creative thing. It was mm-hmm. kind of like having his name attached to it or something. Okay. I think I'm only projecting there. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but that's how I kind of saw it. Uh, but with the um, with with that statement, I what that you just made. I mean, yeah, I kind I see where you're coming from, but I appreciate a movie. I, I appreciate Shyamalan just taking it by him, like just doing it himself, because at least, at the very least, it's unique. It's a Shyamalan movie, and it's sure. different from you know the recent crop that you could see from this summer, or like from you know most blockbusters in general. Mm. Like we talk about how formulaic the Marvel movies are. I'm happy that a movie like a Shyamalan, you know, like like a uh, like an old can exist in within that same time frame, mm-hmm. because it's different. You know, it may not be good, mm. it may not be like remotely entertaining to some people, but it's different. It's somebody taking a chance and you know doing something weird, mm-hmm. and I'd rather take that a hundred times over than you know having the same old like formulaic. <laughs> blockbuster thing from either like now i'm not i'm not even just talking about marvel at this point like any of these big fucking cinematic universes or a fast five movie or a fast and furious movie you know like it's no no chance in hell would you ever get a superhero movie where somebody dies this ironic jonji ito death of a girl of a woman who has to take care of her like really acute skin condition or, no, um, she doesn't have enough calcium in her bones. Oh no, cal- yeah, really or like, like vitamin D or something. Yeah, really or... rare bone um, deficiency. deficiency, and just die like a fucking weird skeleton-looking death. Like it, it spider, that, like, like kind of like a spider. Like she looked like she jumped out of a Jonji Ito painting. Yeah, you know, you would never get that in any of these other movies that right now. You know, and I'm glad that something like old exists because that's where you can get it. You know, you could get that weird sci-fi factor into it. I just wish it ended in that note of, okay, time to accept our fates. You know, because, like, I hate the fact that they have to, that the twist in this movie, if you could even call it a twist, was that the island is essentially owned by a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, it's owned by a pharmaceutical company where they just use the power of rapid aging. Of a rapid coral reef. Yeah, that isn't even explained. To, to test their products. And it, yeah. It's weird. You yeah. Know? They, they like accelerate cells to, to age them faster. And so they, like basically in a year, it's like 60 years of life. And they in all one had, day, it goes 60 years go by. Yeah. And all the people who were in the island had some sort of disease. Like the, the, the woman, the spider lady had a bone deficiency. Yeah. Um, one of them had like epilepsy. Sedan, oh yeah. One of them had epilepsy, which was uh, probably the scariest fucking death. Oh yeah. Because she just does, she just isn't a seizure for the rest of it. Seeing until people unnaturally dies. like move like that and joke like that is really uncomfortable oh i mean yeah you ever seen somebody have a seizure yeah we <laughs> did like, it, oh yeah, we did yeah it was fucking yeah, sad yeah. it's really bad yeah we were in summerfest once oh fuck, um, that's right we were in summerfest waiting in line and summerfest is kind of like an edm festival um and i guess some dude was like taking like pills or something like that and like passed out in front of us he started seizing on the floor it's fucking awful it's crazy like yeah yeah and then that's just a fucking scary death for that woman who yeah. just like she doesn't have her medication? Obviously, it's violent so it's not like too. It, yeah, it's violent because it just doesn't stop. Yeah, I assume like at that point her brain just like is stuck in that mode and it just won't like 
click back. Not because she even has the medicine, but because like probably her her brain at that point is in such a rapid, in such a um old older state mm-hmm. that she can't really control it. And it's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Another really good. Okay, sorry. I just want to say. Uh, let me finish my point because I, I went off on a tangent. My bad. Yeah, we gotta keep. Yeah, twist, we gotta move on. Yeah. I know the twist is stupid. Su- so stupid, so and then stupid. having them double down on you know that they escape the coral reef. They go to the cop who suddenly remembers <laughs> that this child came yeah, up to him a couple days. Like. Yeah, he doesn't look anything like the little boy who showed up. Obviously, because he grew like you know twenty, forty years, fifty yeah. years, um, and the cop just instantly recognizes him. And they and boom, pharmaceutical company is busted within the like the last five minutes. I like how they all gave um they all gave Nat Wolf uh or Alex Wolf whatever uh no sorry um all the actors that played uh the different versions of his character they all gave him the same mold. <laughs> they all gave them the same mold that Nat Wolf has. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but yeah, that was a dumb ending. I didn't. Yeah, like I, I really wish it could have ended right there. Bad movie. It's, it was it, fun it, though. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it's just that's the same problem I have with the village. Yeah. If know? we were really fucking smashed, we'd have a great time. I don't know. I wasn't even smashed. I had like a couple. No, if we were. No, I know, but like I had a couple drinks in me, expensive drinks and in I'm, me at, dude, at the Alamo. But they I, were two hundred bucks yeah. for the food we got, and like we got like two rounds of drinks, like two hundred bucks. It was crazy, insane, insane. But that's also just California in general. A lot of yeah. the stuff that we bought was triple tax, like, triple tax. It's just so like no wonder everybody's moving to fucking Texas or here. Yeah. Like it's insane. But yeah, let's that was on. fun. Yeah, let's move on to good stuff. Actual our house shit. Like <laughs> I okay. I mean, I really enjoyed old, but obviously it's you know it's a different type of enjoyment from the Green Knight. Yeah, directed by David Lowry. Lowry. Um, Lowry, sorry. Yeah. Um, this did, you, did you know Gawain wasn't actually pronounced Gawain like I thought it was? It's uh, Garwin. Yeah, it's Garwin. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that yeah, <laughs> until I, I was watching I the movie. Yeah, I think I do that. Um, no, we, we we didn't. Yeah, pretty we were, sure. We were, we were talking I've about Gawain like the entire time. when. The uh, yeah, I said like, no, I said like Gawain or something like that. Some, oh, okay. That's how I pronounced it, Gawain. It, there's no R in his name. Yeah. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't have assumed that it would be pronounced Garwin. Well, whatever. Look, yeah. Green Knight. Franklin the, and the Green Knight. <laughs> the Green Knight starring Dev Patel. Uh, amazing cast. Oh, yeah. Um, Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander. Yep. Sean Harris is the best fucking King Arthur in Great. the world. Just an old, decrepit King Arthur. Je- or yeah. Jesus Christ, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah Joe Egerton, um, uh, uh, Alicia Vikander. Uh, great movie. Ralph I mean, Ineson yeah. as the titular Green Knight. Yeah. And it's basically about the nephew of King Arthur, played by Dev Patel, you know, Gawain, uh, Garwin or whatever. Um, he is a lost man, a lost young man who doesn't really have anything to strive for in his life. Seeks like, purpose. Yeah, he seeks purpose. He kind of, he's kind of like living in in the shadow of his uncle. You know, he did like uh, the war's already been fought, kingdom's already taken, Camelot is theirs, and like he's just living life. You know, just fucking drinking, like and and. <laughs> What an what a great opening line. Well, no, it's not the opening. That, line I love that opening sequence. Opening sequence is great, but I'm talking yeah. about right after that when he wakes up after sex and it's like Christ is born and they just <laughs> start fucking again. Yeah, <laughs> Christ is born. <laughs> Where are my boots? <laughs> but yeah, so um, this Green Knight shows up to the the, the, to Knights, Camelot, of the to the Knights of the Round Table and is like, "Hey, somebody strike me, and if you if if you if you strike me." You got to come back to my place a year later, and I got to strike you. Bitch. 
<laughs> you imagine? Yeah. It's just, just that sort. Of, it, that's just the. That's how the movie just r- writes itself. Not even old Arthurian English. It's like, hey, cut me, bitch. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you know, Guywin. Um, he Guywin. takes up that challenge. Yeah. Cuts off the Green Knight's head, and the Green Knight's like, ha ha, one, one year hence. <laughs> and then he just rides off on his horse. Fucking great shot. Yeah. And Deb Patel is like, and Garwin is now like, all right. That's it? I'll see. That's it. Right. I guess I'll see you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then for all. So that's the setup of the movie. That's the and, setup of the movie. And after that, he goes on this odyssey of like, you know, self-reflection, self-fulfillment. And like one of the most. A movie akin to Blade Runner in the sense of just scope and, like, Mm. the emotional odyssey that the main character goes through. Yeah. This is a movie that is way deeper. Well, not that I thought it'd be, but it's it's deeper in a sense that I did not expect. And, honestly, towards the end and the more I thought about it afterwards, this movie speaks to me in in a very personal way. It was a much more emotional and relatable movie than I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it, it's literally, Garvin's whole journey throughout the, you know, throughout the film is, you know, can I... Live up. Can I live up to these expectations? Am I, you know, can I actually live up to my promise? Can I live up to my word? Can I fulfill honor? Not even just for, you know, the promise made to the Green Knight, but also to myself. Yeah. And, like, I read, I read the original story right after I finished my screening on, uh, like, I can't remember when I saw it, but, you know, mostly a pretty close adaptation of the original text, and where it's, you know... The it's a different are, interpretation. It's a different interpretation, yeah, but, like, you know, in, in both of them, it deals with these themes of honesty. Yeah. And, you know, keeping up to not only, you know, like, exceeding your expectations in a way that you didn't think it's you could. It. David Lowry was able to get a short story poem about, you know, fulfilling honor and living up to a standard. And he turned it to a compelling personal journey about insecurity. Yeah. In a big way, in in a way that I wasn't expecting and resonated with me. It resonated with me in a way that I, I just wasn't. I didn't expect that from this kind of film. Yeah. I was expecting very much like a, you know, an epic, a high fantasy. It wasn't epic, but like a high fantasy epic with battles and insane fights, but to be no fair, battles. I'm very happy nobody actually kind of, nobody actually fought. There was no movie. fight. There was no fighting at all in this movie. This was literally a quest journey. It's, it's, it's last, a fetch quest. It's like Last Temptation of Christ by way of, you know, King Arthur. It's it, yeah, and like you know, like somebody put it out, pointed out on Letterbox. It's like, oh, it's the last temptation of Dead Patel. Like that's <laughs> that's literally what this is. Yeah, and, dude, and, and they're right because it's, and because even though the stakes are obviously it's not a relatable thing. It's like, oh no, I I I'm scared that this Green Knight's actually gonna cut off my head yeah. when I show up to his palace. Should I even do it? Should I even go there? I think we should you avoid know? spoilers for this one. Well, yeah, but like that's just yeah, you know, the no, I, I'm just saying general, the yeah, story, yeah, yeah. like. The, the 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 actual you know story is fantastical, but it's the ideas that they're presenting that are much more personal and yeah. like you know the way especially because of Deb Patel's performance feels much more uh, uh, relatable and and 
more emotional than I thought it would be. Oh my god, and yeah. And I'm I'm all the more grateful for it because it in a way it's kind of like an story of adolescence you know this person realizing this is a coming of age tale yeah like this person coming to grips with the fact that this is you know this is something that they have to you know sustain uh not um sustain um they have to uphold because you know it's the good of their word how much is how how uh how worthy is the good of your or no how truthful or how accurate is the good of your word? How honorable can you be if mm-hmm. you are if you're a liar? You yeah. Know? If you're yeah. like if you're dishonest and and you kind of take up this false sense of honor, you know, like with you know, and and without getting into spoilers, leads to probably one of the best you know endings and I've seen in quite the some last time. fifteen minutes of of that film are pure art. Yeah, and it, you know it's funny, it, like it's all sorts, it it's all levels of temptation, you know, even before you actually get to that that final set piece but you know when you get to there it's 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 really it's really interesting because you know you're like i don't know if uh it presents that question to me where it's like i don't know if i would have actually done what was done in there Mm -hmm. you know and it presents both sides in a way where it's like you know this is what could happen if you don't keep up to your word this is what happens if you don't you know stay true to stay true to your honor it's stay stay true to your word it and just and i love that for and leading up to that you know all like the symbolic kind of sequences other symbolic like things he goes through you know whether it be real or not like they really like kind of break down his character and make him realize what he's actually doing this for you know and there's this very specific scene that kind of really brought uh, really brought everything together for, with me involving uh, a specific uh scarf belt piece of fabric that he has yeah and just the inclusion of that prop and the and what it means to him and the story it really again it, this movie just spoke to me in just in a way that not many have before like you know i i guess this is also like this is also like one it, of those things it reminds me of the yoda quote like you take what you, you you take what you bring with you. Exactly. You know you can't and you can't take these material things with the thought that it will, you know, give you a s- expected result. You yeah. have to just go, go into things body and soul. You have to like if you I guess if you want to come of age and live up to uh, your own personal standard, you kind of have to. That's literally just up to you. Yeah, there, are, you there, have... are, there is nothing that you know can help you with that. No, yeah, and like. I guess like where I'm going for where, what I'm getting at is like you know you you try your best to live up to the standard and to try and like find on true honor for yourself and not not do it for other people. You kind of have to break away, break away from everything that you've known and everything that's protected you and everything that's you know, all the comfort, all the comfort in your in your world needs to be almost thrown away and needs to be rejected in order to really live up to what you truly can become and man that message really resonated with me in a big way and i and like just the way it was presented in that manner and all the way towards the end like i i i felt for guywin for garwin in a in a bigger way i i felt for him in a deeper way than than most characters mm-hmm. and just Man, those last fifteen minutes were just truly beautiful. Yeah, you know, it just brought everything together, and it 
gave us a journey unlike any other fantasy epic you're gonna see you know it's jeremy like, john said it best what blade runner was for blade runner 2049 what that was for science fiction is what like, green Knight is for fantasy yeah and it and it's a shame that he, he also brought this up in his review that like you don't really get any you know you don't get that much fantasy movies out there no you, you don't think with the fucking success of game of thrones you would get more things like this we you get know, it more get in more in high fantasy definitely in the television you know part of, of yeah, the yeah like, but there's like, a lot yeah, of like dark fantasy television shows like you have witcher now you know which is a big deal now well, right? sure but you had you've had like witcher you've had uh but uh, i'm talking uh, about in terms of film you know like yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't get a, like like lord of the rings really was a peak you don't get that for much high stuff fantasy. anymore. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of and like Hobbit to an extent, you know. No. I I I still defend it, but you know what I mean. Like you don't get that <laughs> much high fantasy stuff out yeah. there in the cinema, and you know with something like this, you kind of have. It's a great example of having your cake and eating it too, where you know this is a high concept fantasy film based on a Therian legend, and it's also a story about, you know, acceptance and being and and, and like. Um, coming to terms with things that you know you don't really know the outcome to as if as in with a lot of things in life and it's you know I, I'm probably going to look back on this movie more as I, as I go um, as I grow in life because that message is so universal and it's so applicable to everything you know like life is scary we're 22 you and I Life is going to be harder and life is going to be scarier for us. It only ever gets harder. Yeah. And it's that (laughs) moment of acceptance that you have to remember where it's like, this is, this is just life. And the only thing you could hold on to is, you know, your ideals, your morals, and, you know, the, the, um, you know, how you, how you treat other people, how you, you know, the standard you set for other people, the standard you set for yourself and not the standard that are set up for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and it's at the end of the day, it's just you, you know. And oh, and, and I, I, I before love we that. move on, uh-huh. before we move on, fifteen million dollar budget. Yeah, incredible. Is this, is, was this the most expensive A twenty four movie? No, not at all. That really? was on Kajans, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. Uncut. At least in terms of you know talent, I wouldn't be surprised with that one. Yeah, Uncut Gems budget budget was like nineteen million. Mm. Yeah, goes to show. You know, it's funny. It's fucking. Like and you don't see like, not a single instance, at least for me, of like cheap CGI throughout that whole film. No, not at all. No, like it, it looks beautiful. blended perfectly. Blended perfectly. I mean, beautiful practical effects. Oh, gorgeous! Right off the bat, but that, even the, the money went to the right places. Yeah, but even with like that scene of the giants, which is not a spoiler, you see in the trailer. Yeah, like it's beautiful. It's, it's fucking great, and it doesn't feel like it doesn't stick out. No, it scared the fuck out of me. I oh, honestly, yeah. it felt like actual titans walking it's, on the screen. It's that existential fear that I that 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 really gets to me. It's like, oh yeah, imagine if you see a fucking thing that huge looking at you like, oh. like yeah, <laughs> like I don't get people who are into vor. Like that shit must be fucking horrifying. That shit is horrifying to me. Yeah, seeing a big ass bald thing just staring at you like it's a tool album. That's the other thing. I kind of want a version of this set to like so, like a tool album or some doom metal album because I feel like oh you know like with like Dark Side of the Rainbow like how um, Dark Side of the Moon Pink Floyd no Dark Side of the Rainbow the cut of Wizard of Oz that synced entirely to yes. Dark Side of the Moon. I want something like that with Green Knight. Yeah, I feel like there has to be some fucking doom Eventually. metal or tool somebody album will make that's that. out there. Somebody will edit that together. Good score too is also amazing. What score. I wanna, what I'm Everything the score the cinematography fucking insane it sucks that david Low- like david lowry i think he's in a pretty like big position in his life as a director but like 
he still feels like one of those directors that nobody really talks about that much. No, you know, he's the same person who brought us Ghost Story, uh, Pete's Dragon. Apparently, a fucking Peter Pan and Wendy movie coming out sometime next Ain't year. Ain't them body saints. Ain't them body saints. Amazing movie. Another really good movie before Ghost Story. I'm trying to remember. Ain't oh them body God. saints. No, 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 no. Something else. Something else. Oh my goodness. Why Search am I blanking out on it? Uh, there's Ghost Story. There's another one maybe with Casey Affleck. Oh fuck. Oh, uh, the old man and the gun. Yes, that's another one too. But I was thinking of something else. Oh my goodness. Regardless, great director. I think he should be getting more praise than, you know, what I feel he's been getting. He's doing Peter Pan and Wendy. I know, but I'm saying in terms of like, in, in, yeah, no, in, in terms of no, like recognition. No, yeah, percent. I feel I, like he's kind of under underrated. He's super underrated. I imagined him with like a fifty million dollar budget, a hundred million dollar budget. Oh my god, like he really has the potential to be like almost like a Denis Villeneuve type of director, where like. Studios are trusting him with these huge, gigantic budgets to make, you know, a specific vision, mm-hmm. you know, and like that. I hope I see that, you know, forward with that. Like, it's just, ah, oh God, it's great. It was so good. I loved it. I'm very happy. Very, very one. happy that we saw that. Uh, yeah, it probably was Old Man the Guy. I really love that film. Too. I didn't see that. That's a really good one. I didn't see that. That's another re- interesting thing, you know, for like. Com- what a complete style change. Well, that, yeah, he's a pretty good journeyman director, I think. 100%. You know, like, I feel like he has the potential to be, like, an even better version of, like, this generation's Ron Howard, you know? Because Old Man the Gun is literally a small period piece about an old man coming to terms with the end of his, you know, It career. just seems like he can get any script and, like, make it his own. Yeah, and, and I mean, fucking Pete's Dragon. He remade, a, like, one of the shittiest Disney movies. <laughs> you know, and then you have a ghost story. These are all completely different movies is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's so uh, flexible. And then you get something like The skills. Green Knight. Yeah. You know? God, so good. You know what? Give that man berserk. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I've been watching you know, the '90s if, series, and like as as funny as the dub the OV, sounds. The OVA, yeah. No, is it? Oh yeah, it is. '90s series, yeah. yeah, technically, because it's 25. Well, it's 25, so I'd say it's probably just an animated series, not even an OVA. Regardless, I don't even know what like the what what you can consider an OVA to be. OVA, I think of it Stand as like alone. a mini series, like 10, 12 episodes, or so like a Devilman movie. Crybaby. Would that be an OVA? I don't know. They count that because like this is Devilman OVA. Like Helsing Ultimate is labeled as an OVA. Is, which is so weird. Devilman Crybaby would be an OVA technically, maybe I don't know. It's weird, uh, but then either way, ninety series. Also, like the definition for an anime is also really like loose too. True, like, true. Is Avatar an anime? Like, what? well, like, I mean, yeah, because anime is just animation. It's short for animation. in Japan. Yeah, in Japan, <laughs> yeah. which means well, I mean, all animation. Mickey Mouse is technically anime. You know, SpongeBob is, is technically anime. No, it's animation. Well, yeah, no, like but like for the, made in Japan. Yeah, if you're being like super. That flexible, that would be the classification. So that's yeah. why some people don't consider Castlevania to be an anime. I, I either way, which is bullshit. I was gonna say <laughs> side tangent. Nineties Berserk. I've been watching that. I'm like ten episodes in. What do you think? It's pretty fun. What part are you in? What part are you in? Uh, we are just you, we just English finished dub or Spanish? English or dub. Spanish dub. Imagine <laughs> a Spanish dub. The English, <laughs> the English dub isn't bad. I it's it's okay. Like it's okay, funny. Here's the thing: the actors are really good, but like the voice direction is horrible. Yeah. They're not. There isn't like it's definitely done better in the the trilogy films because they they get basically the entire cast from the original VA. Oh really? And, yeah, and they put it in the trilogy films and it's fantastic because right. it's, it's it's modern yeah. voice direction. Yeah, you know? no, it, it, they they actually tell them what to you know how say. to do it, how to, what to say, how to say it better. <laughs> it's just so funny to me every time Guts screams out Griffith because it feels like such a meme. You know, there's but, only um, like what oh, was God. it? I, I was gonna say we just got to Nosferatu Zod. We just finished that fight. I. 
Zod, fucking great. Nosferatu Zod is one of my favorite side villains in any animanga. He, oh my god, he is such a fucking hard motherfucker. Yeah, and he's basically- all that dude lives for is violence. But, <laughs> but he is never cruel. He he respects the pe- no, genuinely, he's oh, never okay. cruel. He just he just wants to. He just wants to battle. He doesn't want to like do all the horrible oh, shit yeah. that the abusers do. I, just... I I remember that when you told me, or I think I saw it on a comic strip video. And he respects anybody. He guts. Yeah, and he respects anybody who would just battle him. Yeah. If you have the balls to take up a sword against me, let's go. Yeah, this giant like chimera lion man. Yeah, with horns. Just like you cut me. Go yay <laughs> with bat wings. Like <sighs> the dub is really funny. It is funny yeah, at times. I you know okay sorry last yeah, side tangent before we get into Suicide Squad. The no, the intro. I got some flack. Horrible. I I yeah. I, yes. I thought it was really silly and dumb. Yeah, it's bad. The intro song. I mean, everyone thinks that. Yeah, you're not the only one. Well, I don't know. I kind of got some flack on my Discord. No, okay, no, because I, when I mentioned it, because it sounds like a Weezer song. It's ironic because it's like a lot of people that actually like like the Berserk intro is is purely irony because it doesn't fit Berserk at all. Or maybe nostalgia, probably. Sure, sure. The best part of the OVA for Berserk, hundred percent, just Berserk in general. That has one of the best scores in anime. Oh yeah, period. Really good. Forces. So, I like. Dude, no, that's okay. a fucking banger. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember what versus is. And but guts I, theme, obviously, that's classic. Guts theme is good, but I oh, really like. No, I really like the theme they play whenever um, the band the Hawk go out and fuck shit up in the night, like whenever they're in battle. You just hear somebody in the back going, "Hi." That's forces. That's forces. Hi. Okay. That shit goes hard. I like that better than Guts theme. That's the best. Yeah, that's better than Guts theme for me. Uh, it's I great. No, it's love great. It. It's but so like good. Guts theme is more just a like character retrospective. Yeah, you know? but then, like, like it's, it's like longing. But you know? it's just such a contrast compared to fake Weezer <laughs> in the intro. Yeah, that's why the intro sucks. The it's intro like, fucking la, sucks. La, 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 yeah, yeah, la, yeah. And like blood's being splattered all over the place. It's yeah. like it, 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 it's like. Are we trying to do, like, an Ava thing here for a second? You never saw anything from the Berserk 2017, right? No, why would I? Okay. Like, it's really bad. One of the worst parts about it, and not just the animation, because the story is just all fucked. Um, one of the most... The mo- I'd, I'd argue one of the most iconic panels from Berserk is Guts screaming Griffith. Okay. And that's one of the most iconic panels. And, like, the way I imagine it in my head is... Am like- I going to see that... In this one, is that Golden Age or is that post-Golden Age? No, that's Golden Age. That's Golden okay. Age. Yeah, you're going to see that in the OVA. Okay. Um, the way it's done in, like, the OVA and the trilogy series, pretty good. It's like that, Griffith! Like, like it, it feels like an actual, like, scream. I had always imagined it as, like, a, almost like a blood curdling, like, almost like an, like, like, just, like, he's just so fucking angry he can't contain it. Mm-hmm. The way it's done in the Berserk 2017 version, because you don't get the full... Like, the thing with Berserk 2017, it's, like, a chopped and screwed version where, like, different parts of, like, the manga are, like, being rearranged into, like, its own story. It's really bad. What, to just ignore Golden Age? So like, they don't have to adapt Most of, time? like, a lot of Golden Age is told through flashbacks and shit, which is I really figured. fucking stupid. Okay. And you hear this actor's version of Griffith, and it's literally, Griffith! Griffith! Is that the Japanese sub? Is that the sub or dub? No, that like well that yeah, that is the that is the uh the Japanese dub. But just like his it's literally just Griffith. Just like a quick like glance. Griffith. No, Even I... though you read the fucking manga, I can pull it out right now. It's <laughs> the most like <laughs> It's like a full page? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's a full page. That's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. It's our it's guts with his arm cut off, just <laughs> like <laughs> uh I want to make a Berserk podcast. Just talking about Berserk. The Berserk cast? 
Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably out there. The Bellicast. The Bellicast. The Godcast. That, that's a thing already. Probably. Yeah, yeah. The God, the Godcast, or the or the Godhand podcast. Yeah. It's or something. It's not like there's any original names out there anymore. Yeah. Just like with this one, with the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Not the, the Suicide Squad trial by fire. Or, yeah. Which is what they. Kind the of Suicide Squad. Uh, or like Suicide Brain Squad of the Starfish, two. or. Yeah, or or the Suicide Age Squad versus Star the Conqueror. Yeah. yeah. That was a fucking great movie. Amazing. I mean, I I was already I know I was going to like it, but I, I I what surprised me? I think the marketing campaign was fine for this movie. I just kind of hate. Good. I just kind of hate that every single commercial had to be like, "Oh, from Guardians director James Gunn, please watch our movie." But like, that's not like, like Guardians. You, but like, like obviously, like they also kind of have to do that. They have to like, because they DC is still kind of in a downward spiral in a way. Like they've had well, some good ones. Well, I think they've been. I, I think they've been been in an uptrend for a while. But you know what I mean. Like after Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, I think like people like. They tried to boost it more on the on the name recognition on um, for this movie, to try to just get just like, more of just to try to get more attention to try no, to hit like a like, Marvel level of success. Sure, but like what I'm saying is just like they're like specifically you know they're in a like a very like tricky spot where like this is like a re- reboot sequel of a property that is critically panned and not just critically That's just true. panned as one of the worst films of all time, and like I still only seen it that one time. In the theater. Good. Yeah. Good. I've seen it, like, a few times after, but Why? it's so bad. And, like, and like you know, they need... I guess the marketing needs to really rely on James Gunn's name. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're living in a very special time where... It's going back to like the filmmakers that are selling name that are selling movies now. Well, because, at least I, I think, think it's going back DC. to that slowly. I feel like that's what they're trying to do with DC. Well, not just that, but like, I'm just saying DC in general. I'm just saying in general with Hollywood, where we're like now we're living in a time where it's no longer like the stars that are headlining it. It's more like, you know, directors are like selling seats now. Like that's why everybody kind of, goes to a Taika movie. You know? Yeah, that, but that's why I'm kind of worried about the marketing for Doom. I'm uh, for Dune. I'll talk about that later, but. Or we'll talk about it in another. Oh episode. well. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, let me let fun. me say, I want to say so that good. um, so good. I I I was coming into this movie thinking it was gonna be good, but I was. I don't even know why I should have been surprised by it, but it was literally you know a James Gunn movie that felt more unfiltered compared to his Guardians work, and like more in the vein of like in, with a sense of humor, it felt more in the vein of like Super, or Slither mixed with that emotional character work that he excelled at with the Guardians movies and felt more uh, unrestricted compared to even Guardians 2, which this, was his last film. Com- uh, before and this. I don't think that's a surprise. It's this, not a surprise. This, this is felt this like... Is DC's literally going, please save to whatever. us. Yeah. This is the most blank check I, I think DC's been in a while. Ever since, like, Zack Snyder with, like, Man of Steel and BVS. Like... They like what makes this movie work so well. It's the insistence on really making this its own vision and its own voice, and like that's always kind of I guess the idea and like what that's kind of what Zack Snyder wanted to do make the DCU kind of a director focused uh, universe, which I you know I'm always gonna appreciate. But like this is kind of like the best example of why that works so well because. Yeah, this this is set in the DCEU technically, but I mean it is it is 
like yeah, it's there it's for a, context, it's a, but it's not there as a plot point to the movie. Yeah, and there's thankfully. nothing in the movie that really sets up anything for the grander scale of things. This is exactly what it was supposed to be in the beginning. A small scale story about ragtag villains doing shady work for the government. Yeah. And like and it's it, perfect. It, and it kind of <laughs> applies perfectly to Guns' storytelling style, yeah. which is a bunch of people who are seen as trash. Who are the seen Suicide as Squad applies more to James Gunn's style than Guardians ever could. I don't know. I oh, feel like dude. no, even S- the from director like, the of Slither. Slither. I'm talking about making like a, a Marvel movie like I'm, that worked, I'm, sure, but this is more akin to James Gunn than than Marvel. Yes, I, but I'm talking about like in terms of like the source material. I could see why James Gunn would be a good fit. Like saying before, you know, the Guardians. Happened, it's just James I Gunn is so like edgy, you know. Yeah, but at and the it same doesn't really time, fit Guardians, especially like even before, like at least having the context of the Guardians that we had before the movie. I agree with you in that in that other sentiment where it's like, yes, it makes more sense with him on a property like Suicide Squad because these are literally the underdog heroes, C list, D list villains of the DC universe that are put on this Z list. Yeah, that some of them even Z list. Yeah, where you know it's designed for them to die. Yeah, and they overcome it. They're the underdogs in the story, even like with flaws and all. Yeah. And I, 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 that's that's something that isn't new to J- James Gunn's story, like James Gunn's ability as a storyteller, even before Guardians, because you know Super is very much a story like that too. Yeah. You know? But it it works perfectly with this because you have like, a solid, you know, you have a solid cast. You have a kind of similar plot to the first Guardians movie, but it works because of the chemistry that the, that the ensemble has with each other. It's like. Marvel would never allow James Gunn to have a scene like like Bloodsport and his daughter's first interaction. Oh yeah. That would never fly. Ever. Like that that for sure is like that's the edginess that dude, like I've I'm come not gonna, to expect also like, from Gunn. I know what you mean by that. It's crazy because it's as soon, hilarious okay, too. <laughs> as soon as you get like the obligatory, you know, uh, uh, you know, a stoic, serious man, you know, kind of uh, very, like, separated from his daughter. The second he, like, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to have a conversation with your daughter now. It's like, okay, I was I was so ready to just be like, okay, here we get the schlocky, just really sappy, emotional shit that you, you need be to there get with a lot me, of these movies. You got to be there for me, dad, please. But immediately, <laughs> immediately it's like, why aren't you there for me? Because I fucking hate you. Yeah. Like, dude, that... That was just the most, like, that felt like James Gunn was speaking to me personally. He was telling me, I got you, dog. And just, it, like, it was just a screaming match. Like, I never fucking wanted you. It was your mother's fault. Like, that, that's that's what I've come to expect from James Gunn. I'm happy he, you know, he went for that. It's just, like, I, 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 I that totally would never agree. fly with, that would never fly with Marvel. Oh, with Disney, in general. It, it, just, yeah. it would never. And it like, would never happen like that. And that's why it fits the mold so well for something like the Suicide Squad, this edgy team of ragtags that need that kind of, like, that kind of perspective and, like, sense of humor for it to really work. This this really does feel like it's just him on a playground doing whatever the fuck he oh, wants. Yeah. And, you know, like... How not- can you make Polka Dot Man into an actual cool and imposing threat? Well, be- like because you have David Dasmachin. Yeah, he's him, great, and he's you know he's an actor who deserves much more praise. We want to talk about the cast. Right Let's talk about the cast in a second. I want to bring up this one thing because yes, as much as we poo poo Suicide Squad, I feel like even then they had an, you know Ayer and DC had an opportunity to. Yeah, at least cash in on one of those aspects that makes this version of Suicide Squad much better, which is the character work. Because say what you will about Suicide Squad, I feel, and, and whatever fucking cut Ayer apparently has now, or has had, you know, 
I feel like it would have worked had they not fuck up and fucked up any of the character Ooh, work that I'm, they set up in I, it with that cast. You really need to rewatch Suicide Squad, man. Because, like, I know what you mean, and that's how I feel leaving slivers, it for the first time. There are slivers of camaraderie there that are, like, that you that I, remind me of shit, like Fury it's or, like, Training is, Day, you know? But it, it's just the thing is, like, as much as, like, WB did mess up, like, the potential of the original Suicide Squad film, the problem is that movie ran much deeper than just, like, the edit. It's definitely structure, story. A lot of it didn't make any sense. There isn't any real, any real character work. One of the best videos I've seen about how bad the Suicide Squad is is actually a very recent video that came out a few days ago. For, for sake Cosmonaut, of simpli- do you know Cosmonaut sake- Variety Hour? I do. I, I was just going to say, in, for sake of simplicity, let's just say 2016. Yeah, 2016. <laughs> yeah. The 2016 movie. Like, yeah. the 2016 movie, like... One of the best videos I've seen in forever is Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Marcus, he made a video about, like, you know, this is the first time he'd seen the movie since it came out. And he was like, let me watch it, you know, see how bad it was. And, like, you go back to it, man. The story just makes no sense. There's no reason why these characters should be here. There's no reason why they're friends. Like, there's nothing connects any of these characters in the 2016 version. And, like, it just sucks with a movie. I'm sorry. Finish your point. My bad. No, I was just going to say, like, it, it, like, Everything that the suicide, everything that 2016 Suicide Squad did wrong, that's where the remake, reboot, sequel aspect comes out of it. Because it, it, it did, it is a sequel, but it got a lot of the main brushstrokes of that original plot, expanded on it, and really just like shook it up to to make it more personal and like like actually have human characters and not just like cardboard cutouts to fit the service of the plot like sure don't get me wrong we need to have characters die in a suicide squad movie but like are you really gonna make it only in suicide Squad 2016 where it's just the, the one dude that nobody one? knew like he's the only guy that dies in that yeah. fucking movie and okay sure el diablo too but like you know you take that idea and concept and you just completely go balls to the wall with it and literally make that like just the concept is just so akin to what James Gunn is good at, and it. Oh God. I, I will definitely it's, say, like in this version, he executed that aspect way better than way 2016. Better. Way better than the one in 2016. I'm just saying, like in terms of that, like, of that character work. Closer. Yeah. Closer. In terms of that character work, the like I think of the bar scene, even though that's fucking awfully cut up to you know, end it, as man. quickly as possible. There's a sliver of character in there where it's like. Shit, was this the movie instead? I wish it was. But, like, you know? the problem with that, it's, like, the bar scene in the 2016 Suicide Squad felt more of, like, hey, we're telling you that we're friends. We haven't shown you any real camaraderie between us. And we're, we're telling you that we're, we're trying to find some connection. Well, in here, we actually saw them build that Yeah, you actually you know? see a connection in, and in, like, in this And, like, that problem is more rooted in just the script and, like, David Ayer's contribution to that. I'm not saying that David Ayer's cut would have been better or worse than what we originally got, but the problems are definitely more rooted than just the trailer house edit. Well, yeah, you know? for sure. It's just, you know, it trailer it sucks park. because, yeah. like, I, 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 I try to, like, give as much praise even to, like, the shittiest movie We need movie to watch ever. that movie smashed. We need to watch Suicide Squad fucking... Yeah, just smashed. I don't want to watch that movie. Okay. We like, should do a double feature. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a pretty that'd be fun. That would be a really interesting double feature. But yeah. it's like... You know, like I try to give as much praise to like even the shittiest, sure, you know, sure. And you know, me, I, I can, you know, obviously, you know? like us as 
artist, you know. Like, like it's hard to make a film. It, it, you know? It's hard to make anything. Any yeah. Art project, period. Especially a film. And, like, you know, when I criticize filmmakers making films, I I don't ever want it to come off as malicious or I'm just trying to bring down what they do because, like, I always give credit to the filmmakers for actually trying to make a project and trying to take on something That's as daunting. Yeah, as daunting as, like, Suicide Squad. But, like, it's just, man, like, you just can't... I don't think you can ignore those problems and I don't think it's good to just, like... Well, I mean, yeah, you, you, know, you could definitely separate the product from the artist. Yeah. You know, it's just... You it's, know. I just I just wanted to make you know my intentions yeah, clear there because it was yeah, just, yeah. that's just how I roll with that. The but, cast, yeah, the cast. Let's talk about the cast. Um, you know I'm actually pretty happy they didn't end up using Deadshot again. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I fucking loved Idris Elba. I as think Bloodsport. it's he he brings a different level of humanity to this character than what we saw with like Will Smith's character because they're both feeling kind of the leader, the leader kind of like, you know, just the leader role, like just the, the one that everyone looks to, to for guidance and like very similar, like, I guess like character modes for both of them, Will Smith's character and, uh, and Idris Elba, you know, Bloodsport and Deadshot. Yeah. But again, the way James Gunn handled that relationship and like, you know, the kind of the father daughter thing, it's done. It's, it's ours. Obviously, it's more entertaining through Suicide Squad. You know, fuck you. Like, yeah. but I think genuinely, like, you know, it's more human. It's more honest. This is the most that I I don't think I've ever seen a comic book film. I probably have, or specific at least in this era of comic book movies. I don't think I've seen a, a character who's a father literally screaming at his daughter that he didn't want her, yeah. and then you're basically a failed abortion. And it's, like, and, it's, it's and, <laughs> and in a way, it's like it, it's played for laughs too. And, and and it doesn't come off as awkward because you kind of know what. The vibe is already the, the 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 vibe you're already gonna get from the rest of this film is already set up from the beginning, which yeah. is a pretty expected but you know perfectly executed opening. Which is like you don't need to know who these characters are at all. We're going into a mission. Boom! Obviously, you know half of these people are gonna die. Half of these people fucking die, including. Yeah. My are we die. going to spoilers? Oh well, yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I'll bleep it in the edit. I'll bleep it in the edit. It's fine. Okay. Um. Yeah, no, like, okay, I guess we'll get into spoilers, get into, and, get, let's get into spoilers. Okay, no, yeah. okay, in general, or let's just say the character stuff, I mean, obviously the story's great. Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody is played to their strengths in every single way. Who's your, who's your MVP? Ooh. I, look, I, 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 Ooh, I really like Bloodsport, I really liked Harley, really, surprised by Ratcatcher too, I really liked her. She's great. Um, probably, for me, it's a tie between Polka Dot Man and Peacemaker. Like in my in terms of my favorite, I really like Polka Dot Man. Like a straight up scene t- stealer for me. Was oh, either like, one of those. Oh yeah, in me. terms of st- scene stealers, like oh fuck, Peacemaker definitely has them. I think Polka Dot Man has the, some of the funniest ones. Um, fuck, I I don't know who I like the most because I think as much as I love the new additions to this, man, what James Gunn was able to do with like the people he brought up before, like. In reality, this is the best Harley the, that they've ever done with The Margot best Harley's ever been. She has at least three scenes where it's just like this is the best this is the best scene she's ever been a part of. Okay, for we'll get more into this in spoilers, but there's a scene in particular, there's a set piece in particular that is probably the best thing I've ever seen of Margot Robbie as as Harley Quinn. It's the truest from verse, like it's the truest interpretation of what Harley is. Yeah, and it's not even like a a, a, a dialogue scene. It's an action sequence. But it's it perfectly encapsulates like a 
like a really good character moment that I've been waiting to see this version of the character reach. Like you kind of get it in like you kind of see her go to that place in Birds of Prey, but mm-hmm. surprisingly, it was done much better in this one action so sequence with better. her than it is in the other two big ass movies that she's been a part of, including well, okay. the one that she led. Okay, look, look. who's your MVP? I, I just don't know. I really don't because I loved everybody. Mm. I, you know, King Shark obviously. Oh, adorable. King Shark! I forgot. Big yeah. hug. You want to give him just a fat He's hug? So funny. Friends. Yeah. Um, I think like in terms of just like, you know, what's like being done to the character. I really loved Rick. Fl- what they did with Rick Flag. Oh, Rick Flag was. Really He's cool. great. Like you know, and like I honestly loved that friendship that they had together even though they basically had no relationship in 2016 and like them like like rick flag actually genuinely rescuing harley even though she really has nothing to do with the mission they can move on without her him doing it from the bottom of his fire and when them seeing each other that hug it genuinely felt like a, such a sweet moment yeah. like fuck and like i loved rick flag Dude, I love Polka Dot Man. I I don't know who my MVP is genuinely because I think. What do you think about Peacemaker though? I don't think you've. Said no, he's thoughts. great. I love Peacemaker, but like, what I'm trying to say is like, it's all so consistent. Mm. I don't think anybody outshines anybody. Okay, can I? All right, so let me ask you then. Let me change it up a little bit. Who do you think was the most surprising performance or character out of the bunch, out of this ensemble for you? Mine Prob- would either be Ratcatcher or John Cena as Peacemaker. Because, like, he's good in comedies. I've seen him in, in blockers, and I've seen him in his other work, and obviously, you know, as a wrestler, which is the best form of acting. Yeah. But, like, it's... I don't know. He takes it to th- such a different approach in, in, in something like this, where it's like, wow, I'm seeing somebody actually be creative and free. I'm seeing... Fuck! I'm seeing him turn into Batista! Fuck! <laughs> like, it's Peacemaker! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, I, and I fucking love it, because you you see it, and it's like... You see how dangerous of a character he can be, and that's you know, thanks. That's all thanks to his performance. I wasn't. It I wasn't. Think. And I think the same. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry just to cut you off, but like with Ratcatcher too, there's just a lot more pathos there than I thought it would be. It it felt more than a stocky, emotional like through point character that you have to have in an ensemble. It, it felt more important to that because the stakes were more grounded and and sympathetic. Ratcatcher was definitely a surprise, but I think in terms of like. In terms of like a character moment that really surprised me in how they're they're going to be characterized and kind of setting like the mood for the rest of the movie, it's probably Bloodsport. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. I was expecting a very generic kind of play by the books like uh, lead everyday man who's just there because he loves his family. Uh, you like it's, it, you know it's it's that common trope with like action hero stars where like you only care for them because they have a wife and a daughter and like that scene of him screaming at his daughter. It's hilarious, but again, it kind of it sets it shows me that we're taking these kind of like very tropey characters and like flipping them on their head and really just doing something different and it sets the tone perfectly for the rest of the movie and the attitude that James Gunn has and like kind of just the tone in general. You know? I and I think personally, I I think that's all thanks to Idris Elba's performance because had 100%. this percent originally this 100%. Ha- you could tell from a mile away originally this is supposed to be Will Smith. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I, this is just my opinion. As Will Smith as an actor, I don't think he would have been able to deliver the same chops that no, Elba I think, you know, genuinely, I this. think, I'm not going to lie, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, because this happened with Django as well, I wouldn't be surprised if Will Smith didn't want to continue, didn't want to do this because he didn't have a bigger, uh, as big of a role as the first one. Oh, yeah, they could probably have with the screen with, uh, with a lot more people. Yeah, because... That, yeah. that, that, 
genuinely like the reason it why Jamie Fox, the reason why Jamie Fox was hired instead of Will Smith was because he felt Will Smith felt as if uh, Christoph Waltz and Leo's characters outshine Django, even though your name is literally in the fucking movie title. That's another big problem I have with 2016, where like you could tell like a lot of it show feels like the Will Smith show, yeah, featuring Harley Quinn and, and this Australian man. Which, <laughs> don't get me wrong, as 2016 was coming around, we were so excited for that cast because it's an amazing cast. It's a really good cast, yeah. but like you know. In hindsight now, like, it just kind of felt like a paycheck. A big paycheck for a lot of them. Yeah. Besides someone like... Besides, like, Margot Robbie. Which, again, it's so surprising that out of... Ever since kind of the start of the DCU and its competition with Marvel, it's so weird to see that Harley ends up being the most consistent aspect of the DCU. I don't she know. She just about gets consistent. so much better. She oh, get, okay. No, like uh, consistent in the aspect where like she starts off in shit and like every gets way adaptation, better as time goes on. Her characters just like you don't think you can get more layers than what you get. And then like James Gunn again, he's given us the most perfect version of this character. I I see it a little differently because the most perfect version. I, I <laughs> doesn't sound right. It's fine. No. It's fine. We're a comic book podcast. <laughs> we're a, we're a, we're a pop culture podcast. Words don't have to make. Two sense. dumbass overweight dudes talking <laughs> yeah. about comic books. Hell yeah! Yeah. And one of them's bald, so you know we're legit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we both have beards. Yeah. Yeah. Give us our fucking verified check, Twitter. I, honestly, you give me another year, I'm gonna look like Rob Zombie. <laughs> honestly, yeah, I'd fuck with it. <laughs> I see. I see more of a. I forgot. But okay, to the Harley thing though. I see it differently because, like, she there was barely anything, like, interesting or relatable to her in Suicide Squad 2016 for me. You get a better version of her in Birds of Prey, but at the end of the day, it felt like less Harley Quinn and more Deadpool, but Harley yeah. Quinn. Yeah. This one feels... At first, it felt a little bit like the dumb, kooky... Harley that I kind of didn't like at in parts of Birds of Prey, but, that's but what then she, she is turns on the surface. On the surface, and then she turns into that version that I've been waiting to see, which is this person who is tired of all this bullshit. Like it, that's that has to be sprung into her life. The crazy person, the crazy person who really is just trying to live her own life, but she past all that insanity, you still find sympathy with her. I I was surprised by her as well. I just think like in terms of new additions, you know, like yeah. John Cena just made me really happy. Everybody you know? did. Like genuinely like that uh, that's my issue with that question because like I think everybody did such a good job. Yeah. And everybody played off each other so well. Everybody had We a haven't scene. even mentioned Viola Davis who was just perfect as the way she was. She oh, was always yeah. perfect as the way she was even in 2016, but I, even I'd more say, so in this. I'd say we can confidently say the 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 rock solid, the rock solid parts of Suicide Squad twenty sixteen were Viola Davis as Amanda Waller and like and like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. You know, maybe even more so Viola Davis. You know, yeah. she's she she's the wall. She's like yeah, especially that scene with her and Bloodsport. Great like, scene. As much as obviously Bloodsport can tear in half, she was she had that situation under control. Another really good thing that I feel like was a big missed opportunity in the uh, in twenty sixteen was also having. Of having a staff that just actively despises what she does, yeah, and starts questioning her things instead of blindly following her. Dude, orders. there was like three coup d'etats in this movie. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> no, but, but like fucking props to Steve Agee and the rest of the cast. Were like, yo, he's is she really serious right now? No, it's like, bro, <laughs> like don't you, do that. You weren't serious about that, right? And it's like, like boss, no. what do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, yeah, and like just oh fuck, dude. It, it's like I'm just you so get into impressed. Spoilers? 
Oh yeah. Are we were we in Spider? I don't know. No, we were. I mean, aside from the one thing I dropped, like we I'll were just it. talking don't worry, about. I'll bleep it. Don't worry. It's fine. I'll bleep yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, we were just talking about um, like the characters in general. You know, no, like dude. It's just like I'm just so impressed by what a successful remix this was. I think that's the best way. I think that's the best way to describe this movie. It's a remix, and like yeah. it, 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 it just takes it takes what little of a skeleton you can find of a 2016 Suicide Squad structure plot and it completely turns it over his head and expands it in a way that again it just fits to the taste and the style of the filmmaker yeah you know like this was the most obvious property he he could have taken when he moved to DC by far but you know sometimes the most obvious part works for a creator like James Gunn the most obvious casting choice of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn ended up working well I mean yeah that but I'm talking about like no, but, dumb... no I'm talking about that in concept like, yeah. just like the most obvious choice sometimes really is the best one and, and I and I think you know paired up with a filmmaker who knows how to do shit like this with ensembles especially with yeah. the Guardians movies and you know this sort of underdog story like uh, with Gunn's previous work like it's it's an easy choice, but at the same time, it ended up being the best choice. It's the it's 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 the practical choice, almost. I yeah, but I'd say it was probably the best choice. I don't know. No, if, no, like, but yeah, I agree with you. Oh, I'm, not, okay. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm oh, just saying bad. it's the practical choice. Like it's like like yeah, like we should do this, so let's do it. Like maybe Gavin O'Connor probably would have done a pretty good job too. Oh no, had he been direct. Had I he been genuinely, the from the bottom of my heart, or Mel Gibson. No, <laughs> yeah, that would that would have been great. That would have been radical. It really would have. Oh, you know but, what? That would that that whole fucking you know Corto Maltese plot would be a completely different story completely different. <laughs> if it was Mel Gibson it's completely different but you know it make it, it was perfect I don't think like Gavin O'Connor would have done this justice he's more of the an way... everyman director for sure but yeah I yeah I think we would have gotten just a better version of 2016 Suicide Squad with Gavin O'Connor behind it maybe definitely stronger character work I think I don't know if you saw that way back movie with Ben Affleck. Did you end up watching it? No, I heard it was not bad. No, but I saw the the come town uh, the come town <laughs> conversation with it. Yeah. It's so funny. She kills me. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, you've seen Warrior. Warrior too. Yeah, Warrior's it's a good. good example. But like, again, that doesn't fit Suicide Squad. Yeah, what it should. Well, be, I mean, to its core, in terms of like emotional stakes and character, like deeper de- character work, I think it would work perfectly. I, but like, it needs to, well. but it needs to be complemented with the style and like it needs the to ad- be outlandish too. It need, because and it's, like, is that is the suicide, and squad you can't too. do that. And mm-hmm. we know you can't do that because we saw a 2016 Suicide Squad. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and again, you know, just this is, I, I haven't been dissatisfied with a comic book movie in a long time. And I just genuinely, I genuinely left the theater at like I just got off a roller coaster. It was yeah. a blast. That the the most pure thing you could say about this movie, and I think most people would agree that this movie was a fucking blast. Yeah, it's a really fun time. So fun. Let's get into spoilers. Yeah, I still kind of thought we were talking about spoilers, but it's fine. Yeah. No, I mean because we didn't really like I know, talk I about know. plot beats. I know. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But all right, to um to unbleep what I previously bleeped. Everybody dies in the beginning. Ev- mostly everybody dies in the beginning. You kind of yeah. know that. You kind of know Pete Davidson is going to fucking die because it's Pete Davidson. And the best way to like kind of remind everybody what Task Force X is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, it's the degenerates. Yeah. It's the ones who are not supposed to make it. They're literally... They were sent there to die. Yeah, they were literally sent there to die while the other team makes it to the different point of the island where the fucking Contra isn't there to oh, shoot them down. Oh, motherfucker. Wow, I... Another thing I didn't expect from this movie, the structure, 
how it's going back and forth between different places in time 30 minutes earlier, four days before. Yeah. You know, and it, I, I didn't expect that. That's I, so fun. I also like they, they, he does a little similar thing with that, too, where um, you with like just, making kind of like chapter breaks. Yeah. Within you, the movie, like it turns into Operation Harley, like the, the screen kind of turns into the Operation Harley for a second, and then you go to Jodenheim, and then the last one, which is the Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror. Yeah, I love that, it. That's a big fucking crowd pleasing moment, and it felt like you were watching. Like, a like, comic book. Like, it felt, yeah, it felt like you were watching a comic book. Like, these are the chapters. You know, you know like, this is, the, this is the climax. Man, oh, fuck. This movie feels like what we could have gotten if Edgar Wright did Ant Man. <laughs> Just day. so much, so fun, so innovative, especially with the way it's structured, how it's just going back and forth between different characters. So much style. There's so much style. And my God, this is the this is the best third act in a DC movie I think we've had. It's, it, and I Because it's, it's just a building falling down. Well, yeah. That's what it is. It's that, but it's also just like the sheer ridiculousness of it. The Suicide Squad with the, the text, literally, zombies. yeah, literally the text going the Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror, and you get that moment of character action where it's like, where they're all like, "Fuck it, fuck what Waller says. If we die, we die, but we're gonna take down this monster and save not Cuba. Because if <laughs> we know? don't die now, we'll die later. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let we're going ahead of ourselves here, but I want to say like, perfect opening. Yeah. You know, all these people who were basically designed to die, they die. I like that it started it with Michael Rooker. It, it started with Michael Rooker being set up as like, oh, he's the badass, but no, he's just a big pussy who just yeah. runs away. Um, weasel. <laughs> fucking weasel. <laughs> the child murderer <laughs> who dies like, in a Jesus Christ pose because he can't swim. He, he, killed, 27, <laughs> he killed 27 children, and he agreed, I, I think, to, 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 to helping us. <laughs> he's just standing there. He's not even speaking any proper English or anything. He's he doesn't understand yodeling. what's going on. Yeah. And then Pete Davidson is like, yo, is this a fucking dog? And then Boomerang and is like. a fucking werewolf's dog. Get away from me. <laughs> what, what, what kind of dog do you think it is, mate? <laughs> what are you I doing back in prison house? Yeah, it's like what are you doing back in prison house? <laughs> I fucking love Boomer. Boomer, I, dude, it makes me so angry that he died. But whatever. He would have been I'll a really good it. addition if they kept him around. He would have been a coked up monster. <laughs> he would have been imagine, fantastic. Can you imagine like Peacemaker and Boomerang? Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, and you know what? Like, I really appreciated, even though it was a very small moment. That little that that you know small exchange of Harley screaming out Boomer's name because yeah. she she she's she's his teammate. They always she's her teammate. They always had like a brother sister relationship. Yeah, and like you saw that even in the 2016 series. You, you saw like a mid like a like a tiny little slice. Yeah, of in 2016. But you man, you, the, the you know what the most interesting thing is? They really should have given James Gunn this from the beginning. Yeah, but you know what's the really they should have fired him earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those conservatives should have came off after him. You know, much sooner. But um. You know what's really interesting? The fact that you could take these stakes that were kind of established in the previous movie but not really executed well and make you feel for them in this one without even having to really think or watch the first movie. You know, like, you could tell Harley cares about Boomerang. You could tell that Boomerang, in a way, kind of cares about Harley because he asked her, what the fuck are you doing? You mm -hmm. know? And, oh, Haas! <laughs> the fuck are you doing back in prison, Haas? <laughs> I need to get I I need to work on my Australian accent more. I'm thinking of probably going as Boomerang for for Halloween. But like yeah. new Boomerang, new Boomerang. Yeah, I gotta get right. my clothes. Yeah. I still have that jacket. You need a gold tooth now. Oh, I do need a gold tooth. Oh, yeah. he he looks fucking great. He's just, great, yeah. But what, regardless, you know, great opening set. You know, just having them all die like that with Mongal being burnt to shit, and it's just like, and then you go to the other side of the island where it's like, oh, the actual team is here. <laughs> you know. 
that's fucking great. I love that. And it's it's so expected in a way. Like, I kind of expected that to happen because yeah. you know half these people are going to die. Yeah, not and even because, care. Yeah, it's not even because James Gunn promises you that or it's because it's Suicide Squad movie. You know it's supposed to be that because, yeah. you know, that's – that's well, no, yeah, because it is a Suicide Squad movie. Like, it's supposed to be I didn't expect Pete Davidson to be, to be sharing screen time with a Giselba, you know? like That and it's like – also seeing his fucking head explode like a melon. Dude, that was so funny. <laughs> so funny. Dude, just Pete Davidson. <laughs> do you think it's funny because it's Pete Davidson? Yes. I, it sucks for me to say that, but I agree. <laughs> like, like, it's funny to me because it's him. It's like Ariana Grande with a gun. <laughs> I've been, have you seen those fucking screenshots of her on Fortnite? No, I don't care. Dude, it's literally... It, it, but it's that, it's that, it's that fucking sense of ridiculousness that I fucking hate about that game, or and that I kind of like, I'm amazed by. My brother's playing Ariana Grande, and she has a Glock. You know? God, this is two hours in. Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look, I, I'll, I'll. Uh, yeah, we're we'll finishing up here. Yeah, yeah. We're almost. Not, we're in the last one. But okay, the kill off between. I guess that's how you call it. The kill off between Bloodsport and oh. Peacemaker has to be one of the funniest I fucking things I've seen in a while. That's one of the best mic drops in a, in a superhero movie I've seen in forever. That goddamn hatchet! The way he just fucking hatches a person like, from dude, the bottom to the top of his head! It was literally like a knife to warm butter. Like, <laughs> as he's walking by. Like, it was, was so like understated. This man. And, like, they're, it's literally like a kill off Olympics uh, uh, event where they're just showing off them brutally murdering murdering these these military guys and then you get to the you get you finally get to the you finally get there to rescue Rick Flag. It turns out, I, uh, why didn't my men's notify me? What guys? <laughs> these are the villagers. This is the it's la revolution. This is the resistance group. It's la revolution. They just Where's mur- la revolution? They literally just murdered the entire like resistance group. Which okay. Yeah, weird thing. Such a... What a weird statement. Like, not weird. Like, unexpected statement on American imperialism. Oh, yeah. That talk caught me by surprise completely. Yeah. First of all, on a on a script level, very happy that uh, most of them just talk Spanish throughout the entire film. Oh, yeah. Aside from some. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really happy that... You know, they, this team wasn't like, fuck it, that's the end of the mission. Let these people die and get conquered by Starro. No, fuck it. Let's let's help these people out. Yeah. They literally have ground. They they don't even have concrete on the floor. <laughs> like, I don't want to say it's Cuba, but like it feels like a lot of this shit feels Just like lifted another... from like you know a third world nation that's been fucked over by the U.S. government and is also under a fucked up you know dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Like Cuba is the most obvious one for us because we're Cuban. Yeah. But like you could obviously this, see this being a parallel to like Venezuela or um you know or or some or another country in. In in um in you know in South America, just another South America, just another Hispanic country getting fucked by the Americans. Yeah, and it fucking sucks, you know. And I'm and I'm happy they actually stood by their ground and you know made a movie where they do something about it. I mean, with a character like Peacemaker, you definitely have to tackle that in some regard. Oh, and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they didn't just like shove it off. It's like it's John Cena as the guy. I was so fucking sad. When when Rick Flag died, I really that last it. scene, what perfect execution by Joe Kinnaman, dude. Peacemaker, what, what a, a joke. joke. Yeah. Oh man, what a and like you could tell that cut deep. And what a really good and grisly fight scene too. So brutal. Even how it starts off where you just see the reflection of it from Peacemaker's helmet, but in, like it reminded me of the bathroom fight scene from the Matrix movie, the first one. Yeah. Where like Morpheus is just getting his ass kicked yeah. and just being shoved into a toilet, like it, it reminded me of that. It, it's so fucking weird, man. Like 
I genuinely see, like every time when I see shots like that and the way like James Gunn took over a lot of these um a lot of these fight scenes, it genuinely felt like Edgar Wright. It felt like what we could have gotten with Edgar Wright, you it know? It felt like an auteur was yes! actually, like, implementing his own sense of style like, to this movie. Yeah. Uh, again, like, I, I didn't make a list of these directors because James Gunn falls under that same list of directors who take the Hollywood system and really just get a blank check budget and yeah. do whatever they want and say their own voice. People like Mangold, people like Ryan Johnson. James Gunn's one of them. Taika's another one of them, yeah. too. Grant- Taika's little cameo is fucking hilarious. Very sad, too. It And... Just dies from an overdose. Leave it to fucking James Gunn to take a funny cameo and actually make it relevant to the themes of the film. And emotional. So you know? emotional. Like, you don't really, like, it, the line is funny, but you don't really laugh when it cuts to that last flashback with young Ratcatcher 2 and her dad being like, why are rats so special, Papa? We you all know? have like, our place. Yeah, and they're all unique. And, it, like, I fucking love that. You know, it's it's silly in concept, but it's such a beautifully emotional scene that feels earned. He's, That's the best thing. It felt earned. James Gunn is so... He has this almost like George Lucas Star Wars way of making you like really feel for like animal characters or like, you know, creature characters. Uh-huh. You know, like obviously with a like, king shark and like him wanting... Something as simple as him wanting her friends and him frolicking with those like weird jellyfish. Um, oh, yeah. That-, that aquarium scene, that shit was beautiful. Yeah. Like... Obviously, like it leads into like a really hilarious mic drop. It's a little sad, that but and, like that and even like the little rat, the Sebastian, Sebastian. That's it. <laughs> like where you just see his little hands going. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like it's so. I James Gunn is just. It really. He really is like almost like a one of a kind filmmaker. It and it's funny because when you think about it, like a lot of this feels like you could kind of like copy and paste it from a Guardians template, where like obviously the Groot stand in is King Shark in this instance. Yeah. Or like even a baby Groot, you know, stand in is is Sebastian the Rat. Or like yeah, Ratcatcher and like Diablo. Oh yeah. no, that's but that's more um, well, DC and Suicide Squad original. I, I know what you mean though. Like, yeah, yeah, like you could tell like there's a sense of familiarity in that, but like it's not a bad thing. I think it's more it so in it... the sense of like just kind of like the regular frame framework you would have for a film like yeah, this. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's not a problem I have. It's I'm just something I picked pieces. up on because it's like yeah, it's a similar thing that you could yeah, I've seen already from Gunn's yeah. work, like. You know, Gunn has a bit of a sense of ego, but you know that's that's aside from you know his from the beautifully side. horrible mind of James Gunn. Like, yeah, come on, of course. I'm, I you know I look back at that and I was thinking actually about the shit that went on with uh, him and between him and Nicole Perman, the the writer of the first Guardians movie. And yeah, I'm like fuck, you know, it, guy's not perfect for sure, but hell of a unique filmmaker. Uh, I'll say it's that. Just the thing is like. The best artists are the ones that just will fight tooth and nail to get like their vision a specific way. Yeah, no, you know? I know. I'm not. I'm not making that that point. I'm just saying, like, you no, know, I, know, like him, not, I know. Him outside of 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 director world is kind of weird. Yeah, you know? especially recently with with some of the comics he's been making. But whatever, that's just what we should end it off soon. But do you want to talk about that Martin Scorsese thing? Well, no. Let you know what. Let's open that for next week's episode. Okay, yeah, because right? th- that genuinely really bothered me. Yeah, I know. To like a very, to like a very personal level, because at that point you're literally just being petty. It's just, it's, it's stupid. ridiculous. It's stupid. But so stupid. It, the thing is, they, they feed off of it. It's the most obvious. This fucking thing comes up every. The six thing months. he was criticizing Scorsese for, it's what he's doing by mentioning Scorsese in that interview. I know. It's oh, we'll God, leave so it for stupid. next episode. Whatever. We have a lot to catch up. I on still love James Gunn. God bless you. He's a great such director. Amazing did director. Fucking great work with this movie. Um, 
what else can I can I say? Oh, okay. The Harley sequence when she escapes from the prison. The fight scene or the conversation between her and Che Guevara, <laughs> <laughs> or like not Fidel, or not Raúl Castro. Yeah, I don't know. Basically, a stand-in yeah. for any fucking you know, Spanish-speaking just dictator. Hispanic army. Like, yeah, <laughs> Bolsonaro. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> you could literally. It's a shuffle. You could shuffle them all. Um, no, the fight scene. I feel like so that was great. the most earned. It's not even a dialogue. It's 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 a it's it's not even a film a scene that's mentioned with any dialogue at all or anything. It's I the setup for it is great. But what I really really loved about that action sequence is that physically and even with the with the needle drop, you know, again, great soundtrack, but what you know, what do you expect from a James Gunn movie? Is it's such a satisfying moment for that character, for me for that character because it felt like, oh, finally, we got Harley Quinn. We got a cinematic Harley Quinn, the one I know. You it know? finally felt like it lived up to what Birds of Prey tried to do. But was so close to getting Like, yeah, like, that scene, that fight scene was her finally, like, taking shit to her own hands and changing changing things for her favor. Just and that's something being... that she tried to... That's one of the big themes of Birds of Prey. Yeah. And it's done so much better here. Because it's not being played for... Like, in the start... And it sucks for me to compare it, but literally, it feels like a fucking Deadpool movie. You know, half the time with Birds of Prey. And it's... And it doesn't feel like a genuine Harley, you know, story at times. And it, that's what makes... That's what sucks, you know? Like, she never breaks the fourth wall in this movie. And in that action sequence alone... You know, it's just her being tired. She's not really having fun. She's kind of just pissed off that this shit keeps happening to her in her life. And she just wants to kill everybody in her way to just get out and get to a taxi and go She home. just wants to leave, yeah. Yes, she just wants to live her life and not be bothered not, by, pe- by not, fucking shitty men. Not know? being, like, overshadowed by men with red flags. It's it's <laughs> the, literally the best fucking... It's, I think it's my favorite action sequence. It's great. In, in the entire film, but I think it's also one of the most satisfying... You know, action sequences I've seen in a long time. It's because great. of the character, because of where she can finally be now. You know, mm-hmm. where she finally is now. Mm-hmm. You know, I I th- I was so happy about that. Hundred percent. You know, just seeing these movies for the lo- for the longest time and getting to that point. It's just like again, like it's just so weird that we're living in we're living in the timeline where Harley Quinn is is the Iron Man of the DCEU, basically. That and it's like because in well, reality, she, she, I, dude, she's leading these movies. Well, maybe she really know. is like at, at this point. Like when you think of the DCU, like you're not even thinking about Henry Cavill or Batfleck anymore. Well, she's tied with Cavill for at least a lead, right? What for at least like leading a movie because she's led three movies, including this one. Yeah, but Cavill's like you, been... I, I'd argue that like you know, Cavill I, I has know what barely... you mean. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, okay, I do, I do see what you're saying. With He's that. that like Margot Robbie to DC at this point is becoming like what Robert Downey Jr. is. Oh yeah, and like that's that's great. Yeah, and I didn't expect that, and I'm all for it. I think it's also great, you know, and this is just me being a DC fan, obviously, just to see them on the rebound and being like, okay, this we can improve. We're <laughs> like, just doing our own this thing. Is what we I could, think, this and is what we can fix. I think know? we're already past that point of like DC exceptionism. I we're think, like, I, I, I think we're like already. I, I think we already know that DC is doing better with with just that approach of just making those standalone films. And I think, yeah. I think this is the first movie where we're finally past that. I think we're finally here to a point where, like, yeah, Mar- DC isn't living up to Marvel anymore. I, I just think it's 
well, I meant it. I just hope the conversation like goes that way. Yeah. Instead of it being like, oh, you know, you know, oh, we're finally got the DC movie that doesn't have to be a Marvel movie. We've yeah. had that already for the last three years. I, I, I mean it in the sense of like character building where, you know, you could change these characters and have them be the better versions of themselves. Not saying like object, like subjectively the, the better versions of themselves, but like somebody who you doesn't objectively. like some, well. I, Not to say the objective version. Yeah, of this, but you, yeah. you know, with Harley in particular, I'm glad that now this is the Harley that doesn't actually, you know, um, that doesn't actually support being in an abusive relationship, <laughs> or like you know is fine with this sort of glamour. It's crazy how the, that's of like her and Joker. That's like the obvious. That seems to be the the obvious way to take your character, and that was completely shelved in Suicide Squad. And they improved upon it. Thankfully, that's one of the biggest improvements in Birds of Prey that yeah. they reversed that. But like you know, I don't I don't want to get into Birds it's of Prey like, too much. Su- it's like it's like Harley and Suicide Squad. She's just completely dependent of other people. Birds of Prey is her trying to be her own thing, and then Suicide Squad is just her just finally like breaking free, and that's why yeah. that action sequence is so great. So bloody! It's fucking fantastic, all of it. I I fucking love the Suicide Squad. It's a great movie. I really loved it too. It's I, a great I, movie. I just I wanted to give some another prop to um to David Dasmachen. He's great. I think yeah. Poco that man is just no, yeah, fucking great. hilarious. I've... It's exactly what he needs to be. But like they took that extra step further by just making it weirder. Yeah, having him just see his mom everywhere. It's hilarious. It's fucking awesome. And like you wouldn't get that either from a Marvel movie. No, not at all. You wouldn't get you wouldn't get a a, a, a paranoid. Who do you want to kill? Broken man. Yeah, <laughs> that wants to kill his mom. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm I think to... that's it. I think I, I don't think we need we need to say anything more. To I'm be trying. Honest. I'm just trying to see if like if we missed anybody out. I we, we didn't miss anybody, bro. I'm okay. I'm hopeful that this leads to a change of character with Peacemaker. With the series, I mean, they have an entire show leading up to him, so I think that's the point. No, but you know what I mean. Like they leave him to die, and it looks like he probably like has some sort of brain injury. They could probably this just redirect def- him as like a different type of character after, than when he was in this movie. Which after I didn't killing, mind. after killing Rick Flag, I think that's like that's pretty obvious what they're gonna do. Like yeah. there's like a whole like Loki situation where they're like, yeah, you know, like like you could tell that like and props to John Cena's acting. It had an effect on him when you know Kinnaman tells him, "Oh, yeah. what a joke." And yeah. now, like, I, I think he has the chops. I think now he's grown enough as an actor to lead his own thing. Yeah. So I think I'm really excited for Peacemaker show. Fun final shot, too, of just Idris Elba petting the rat. Yeah. Just being as effective as possible. The, the, the post-credit, no, the, pre-cre- the pre-credit scene. Oh, Weasel. Uh, the Weasel. Yeah, off to kill more children. <laughs> <laughs> what if it, wouldn't it be so fucking funny if he's just, he thinks the mission's still happening? <laughs> he's been knocked out for, like, two days. I would really, I, I could really hope for a short that they could probably put in like a Blu-ray or something where it's just Weasel reenacting the. Insta- I think Weasel's gonna come movie. back. Maybe. I think yeah. Weasel will come back. <laughs> Weasel will return. <laughs> this fucking child murderer will return. He killed twenty-seven children. He agreed to to help us. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> fucking great. Really. Suicide great Squad. Movie. Great. Very happy great movie. With this. I think. I think we're both very satisfied. Is Batman next? Is the Batman actually next? It's the next DC film. Uh, we are finally at the point where the next DC film will finally be the Batman. Yeah, not the one we thought, but the one we hopefully will deserve. <laughs> <laughs> not the one, not the one we deserve, but the one we need. <laughs> well, I don't know. I deserve the. We don't I, deserve Robert Pattinson. I, I, we don't deserve it. That's too it. good to be true. I'm sorry. I'm pull John Campia. Huh? I fucking want it. It belongs to me. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Campia, but Campia pisses me off sometimes. Did you see that Stephen Dorff clip? What? <laughs> Where he just shit talked Stephen Dorff. 
I don't know who Stephen Dorff is. He's he was on uh, True Detective season three. He's the one of the villains from Blade, the original Blade. Oh, about the Black Widow comments. You know, he's Stephen like, Dor- how dare you shit talk Black Widow? And this is right before Black Widow came out and it became mediocre. Stephen Dorff is like is like almost like a, a Sam Worthington or like a, or like a Jamie Kennedy. He, I see him as kind of like a Bruce Campbell, where like he's actually pretty good in the shit that he shows up in. I don't even. I, he was really good in True Detective season three. From what I, I, I watched True Detective season three, yeah. but it was it was such a funny clip that was uh, trending the other day. I think it was like Andrew Wood or at Jim Jarmusch hair. Yeah, he put out a, a clip from Campia's show where he's just going full Limbaugh, mm-hmm. and it's like, how dare this cocksucker Stephen motherfucking dwarf say this about black motherfucking widow? You don't even deserve to be in these movies, man. And it's like, what the fuck? These are why are you putting so much energy into Stephen Camp- Dorff? Campia like. Campy reminds me of like the of like almost like the Alex Jones of like the film talking world where he's just like goes on crazy rants. What wasn't he like one of those people that was entertaining like Robert Pattinson like not working out for the Batman or something? Yeah, that was the one. Like, how dare you disrespect the regime of being a Batman actor? What kind of what? <laughs> The red letter media guys are probably like it's amazing how they were more right as time went on. About red letter media is we're done with Suicide Squad. Yeah, we're done with Suicide Squad. I'm just capping this off as no, like yeah. a final. No, red letter media is one of like the best, um, I, one of the best parts of like film discourse, especially online, where like they're not trying to live up to anything and they're not trying to satisfy anybody. They speak the truth and they just the think honest- it's all funny. It's like, <laughs> like it's such a cynical and critical way to view everything, but it's like what I want for this. Well, it's like I think I, I think we we have this for the show. I I think we've been close to achieve. We're like as we get older, I think we'll probably get better. With it's just it. like but like I think we've 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 tried to maintain to that standard. Like the cynicism of film discourse is like I feel it. Don't get me wrong; it's a little toxic sometimes. But like oh, it's, it's so shit. important to really like get past a lot of like these like Hollywood like. Uh, these Hollywood like um uh, fuck um what's the term uh, what like elitism or something no like to get past like uh, I guess like uh, like to get past like the um the Hollywood framework that like you know a lot of films have to fall under like where mm-hmm. a lot of like uh filmmakers or actors like they have to like show face and they have to like kind of be dishonest with who they actually are as like like you know like creators and stuff and like you know they always call out certain films for trying to like you know like cater to certain all pushing an agenda yeah pushing like agendas that. or just being like really fake you know like the, the way i see it and i and i mean this in the like to us and to everybody listening like it's not about you that's that's how I've always seen it. Yeah, you it's know? not about you. This Marvel movie isn't about you. This fucking like any of the things that we've talked about in this two and a half hour episode, which I think you know we did pretty fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's not about us. <laughs> it's not about us. It's not about you, listener. Like it's just how these things are made. Like why are you going to get so fucking emotional about like it's one thing to shit talk the WWE to cut off a bunch of talent that you know they were using. And putting a bunch of people out of the jo- uh, out of a job during a pandemic, it's another thing to criticize Steven Dorf for saying, "Hey, I don't really care about this shit." <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, it's 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 stupid, and it just exemplifies this ridiculous, radicalized version of like of 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 of, of, of like these um of like hyper um uh, ang- 
anchor people? I'm trying to. No, I know what you mean, like, and like, like that also kind reporters. Of, that know? also ties into like everything going on that's been going on with like, with like Scorsese and like his Marvel comments. He made one comments about the MCU and, and they, Hollywood in general. One literally comment that he did not put much thought into it. It's just like it's not for me. He couldn't even care less about it. He could. It's like it's not for me. Yeah. Whatever. And like everybody is using his ammo. It's like oh, this is film elitism. People can't enjoy things because there are people like Scorsese that think they're better than everybody. First of all, they got. First of all, he is better than you. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> like. <laughs> second of all, like you guys are putting so much of your own personal life into the like opinions of a dude who has done so much more than you could ever imagine and could not care less about 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 fucking superhero movies the man just wants to live his life he just wants to live his life they asked him a question he answered that was the end of his day he w- that should have been the end of the conversation he wants to make his own, he wants to make his own films and like I had, that's why I take such fucking issue with James Gunn and like and like the fact the fact that he was like kind of backpedaling on Twitter saying like oh Scorsese is one of the best filmmakers ever like you know like he, he <laughs> yeah whatever. he is it's like, <laughs> but like you're literally saying that he in that interview that James Gunn did he's literally implying that I guess we're not saving it for the next episode we'll fuck, just cap him, it fuck him <laughs> <laughs> like he Scors- like Scorsese like I mean sorry James Gunn like He's he's taking it as like you know it's hypocritical. Uh, it's hypocritical. He's taking it as like Scorsese is like riding the waves of Marvel, so more people can see the Irishman. I'm sorry, dog. Scorsese doesn't care doesn't care for the people who watch Marvel films. Yeah, he he's not making the Irishman for, for Marvel the du- people for he's the dude who for saw himself. Endgame three times. Yes, he, he's making him for himself in a way. You know, like because that's what he wants to make. He's making art. He's making. He's not. He's making films that are a self reflection of what he thinks and like what what his like just his his viewpoint on 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 art. Like, God, it this it bothers me so much that like people try to like imply that like oh yeah, Scorsese's just being whatever. Scorsese has stopped talking about this. He's never. He hasn't mentioned it since because he never cared. He never cared. <laughs> and like d- the fact that James Gunn has the balls to say that like oh yeah, Scorsese is kind of just pushing this. Dude, you're the one doing this right now. You are literally here shit talking Scorsese's like legacy basically and like riding off his coattails to like. Ah! James Cox sucking gun. Can't stop talking about Martin Cox sucking Scorsese. Like, holy fuck. Scorsese, like, he's in a different ballpark. Like, f- it's not even that. It's just like, why? Just don't put. Why the fuck are you putting I don't care what anyone that, says. You know? Killers of the Flower Moon is a bigger event to me than Endgame ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, dude, it's like, it's just too much energy to put, too much unnecessary energy to put on some. On Marvel anything. has Jonathan Majors as Kang in an unexpected role. We got Jesse Plemons, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's like, fuck, dude. It's, it's just, yeah. it's just stupid. Like, I think, look, I think his comments were just hypocritical and just overall silly. You but that's the extent of it. Oh my I'm God. not going to go on a rant about it because it's just my, my I don't need to waste what's, my fucking air oh, fuck. on and that. You know what's so you ironic know? about all of this, too? And, like, about, I guess, our situation? Yeah. We make so much fun of Zack Snyder. And he's had the best take on that whole situation than anyone else had. He I don't think I, I don't, what, what, was, what was He what basically he says, like, oh, yeah, he has every right to say that. That dude, yeah! he has every right to say that. That dude has made, like, he's saying, like, 
he's not talking about my films. <laughs> like he was just joking. And he's like, yeah, like like you know, he's he, he has his own taste. Like that, he's smart Scorsese. Like, like look, obviously everybody can say whatever the fuck they want. I'm gonna try to find that quote because it's great. It's just it's it's just. I just think it's ridiculous to spend this, like, amount of time talking about a person that you don't even know, you know? Like, we joke about, like, remember when we were, like, kind of having an existential crisis talking about J.J. Abrams, that one episode? You know, like, we could talk about J.J. Abrams to kind of, like, make fun of him, but at the same time, I don't know J.J. Abrams. You know, he's probably a cool guy. Like, I don't fucking, I I don't really care, and I don't really, like... Have any sort of malice towards we, any of these people? We said this in the podcast a thousand times. Unless they're like times. actual pieces of shit. We said this on the podcast about a thousand times. We've made fun of so many. We've made fun of Zack Snyder, J.J. Abrams, and my Shyamalan, Joss Whedon. Uh, ignore Joss Whedon. No fuck Joss Whedon. But like, if I would fucking bend over backwards to be the guy who makes his coffee, if I could just like see them work. Exactly. Like you know, like, I talk so much shit about J.J. Abrams. What like like you know whatever. I think he ruined Star Wars. My God. I would fucking kill to just be next to him as he's directing his actors in whatever sequence. I didn't like episode nine. I would have fucking loved to be there watching them make it. Yeah, I just, I, that's the thing, man. Like, it's just. I find the quote, by the way. Uh, you read out the quote and I'll just I'll it's end like, it off here. Some guy asked him, what's your response to Martin Scorsese's and others' criticism of superhero movies? And then <laughs> I love the first thing he says. Zack Snyder's like, oh, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Scorsese is a genius. If you're really good at something, commenting on that world is completely within your rights, and it doesn't diminish my respect for him. I'm certain he wasn't talking about my movies, laughing. He might have been, but I'd like to think he wasn't. He meant the other ones. <laughs> uh, uh, wait. Uh, and then James Gunn, and then James Gunn, like, he goes on this interview a few days ago. It's like, I just think it seems awful cynical that he would keep coming out against Marvel and that this is the only thing that he would get him to press for his movie, said Gunn. So he just kept coming out against Marvel so that he could get pressed for his movie. He's creating his movie in the shadow of the Marvel films. And so he uses that to get attention for something that he wasn't getting as much attention as he wanted for before. As he wanted for it. That is the most cynical, backstabbing, fucked up way to ever... How can you... You're a director. How are you going to bring down your peers like that? Because Scorsese wasn't bringing down any filmmakers. Scorsese wasn't saying... Yeah, the talking about the system. He was talking about the system and how films are made. The Hollywood fucking... The Hollywood... um, The Hollywood industrial complex. That's what he's fucking talking about. Like, and fucking... it's He's not wrong. He's not fucking wrong. It yeah. doesn't come from a place of elitism. It doesn't come from a place of like, oh, I think I'm better than you at this. It comes from a genuine place of like trying to communicate something to an audience more than just cheap thrills. Like, God, like I, it, it's look. I feel like I'm. I feel like we shout to a fucking wall whenever we try to talk about these things. I, Nobody gives a fuck about these things. No, look, we've been going <laughs> in circles about this, honestly. But uh, like, it's. For the last, like, two years. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a conversation that was not necessary at all. Yeah, and it's just, man, who cares at this point? The man's still making movies. James Gunn's still making movies. They're just people, you know? Hopefully not really shitty people. And that's it. Like, there's no more energy that needs to be thrown into that. It's just like... You know, they could speak their opinion all they want. At the end of the day, who fucking cares? I just think it's the same you know? that, like... The lack of self-awareness saying that quote. Yeah, of course. It, but it's like my, I, I'm, I'm going to a different thing here. It's like I'm going, I'm still on the Campia train here for a second. It was like to fucking like you know, pu- 
put these people on a pedestal and kind of point, paint them as like some crazy mad king god or some stupid idiot. It's like it's ignorant and it's also just, you know, probably non-factual. Like it just it's ridiculous to ma- like paint a picture about these people. It's one thing to joke about them and laugh about some of the shit that they do. It's, but it's another thing to like actively believe like you're in a fucking I think you should leave sketch and believe and and feel like these people are actually selfish stupid idiots. Like that's not that doesn't make any sense. It and it's also just a waste of your mental space and a waste of people's time. It's just like I just feel like things like that like they just kind of they make the <laughs> That being convers- said, I'm sure John Cavio is probably a cool dude. We talked to him once. Yeah, we met him we once. We met him. <laughs> he gave us advice for the podcast. He and did. like, not gonna lie, it was good advice. It, it was, was good, good advice. advice. Capia, love you, dog. <laughs> I don't love everything you do, but I love you, dog. <laughs> but like... That shit whack. You aight, though. You aight, though. <laughs> um, nah, it's just... It, it just, you know, like, I feel like James Gunn, what, he, what he's doing is like more toxic than anything that Scorsese ever has said about Marvel movies. I think what a lot of people say on the internet is also just pretty toxic I, too. Yeah, but I just feel like he's taking the same he's taking the same approach because as like of those the position reactive, that he's in. Like, you know. Yeah, and and because fanboys. of the position that he's in, it kind of just makes it even worse. Exactly. I see that. I you see have that. like, you know, you're like again, you're bringing down a man that literally paved the way for like for 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 for, for, for cinema. Yeah. <laughs> like ugh, And with that I could say I think I could confidently say that for the both of us, we'll Good always episode. bring each other up. Yeah, and we'll always bring you guys up, lo- humble, loyal, sexy listeners. Yeah. All right, we're all kings here, even queens. I genuinely kind of mean that. Like, honestly, you know, support each other. Like, there's no problem. Like, you know, the, like the the simplest rule in life: don't be a dick. You know, and I think we could all live by that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you know, some people kind of deserve it. Yeah. Like, unless you're, like, Chris Chan. Or like Joss Whedon. Well, maybe. <laughs> Very different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Peace. Peace, y'all.